0: You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon.
1: Well, hey there, all you triathlon studs and studettes. This is Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon, the podcast where we try to simplify the world's most complicated sport and trim it down to something that makes sense and helps you improve yourself through endurance. All right, on this episode, we have an interview with the great pro triathlete, Doug McLean, and he wrote a great article recently on skin cancer, melanoma, and... How it's the ugly side of being out in the sun all the time doing this sport. So he's on the show and we talk a lot about, uh, you know, how to, how to manage being in the sun without inflicting yourself with all the UV. And actually just lots of stuff about how he became to be a pro and his uh, short but awesome career in the Navy and lots of cool stuff like that. And he just went to QT2 Systems Camp Down in Florida as well with Justin Metzler and a whole bunch of other people. So, we talk about that, what it was like being there. So, that's a really good interview. And there's a whole bunch of other stuff in the show as well. I talk about the three best upgrades to your bike that will make the most impact. And I list those out in the training log. And then also, Hold on, let me pull it up. <laughs> i got show notes here. Oh, it's mixed in with my other stuff. Okay. And also, I have a tip for you. Uh, check out Work the System book, audiobook. Um, when I go on long bike rides and runs and such, I listen to audiobooks often. And Work the System is really good. And also, The One Thing is also really good. So check those out while you're out there. But let's go ahead and get started with the triathlon news here we go all right first up there was the asia pacific championships in melbourne australia and the latest news with all that is if you win one of those you go directly to kona so that's pretty cool Um, instead of having to gather more and more points and speaking of points Mirinda Carfrey was in that race, and I thought it was kind of entertaining that uh, suddenly on race day she wasn't feeling all that well and needed to hold back a little bit. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, because <laughs> she's already qualified for Kona. Why go wreck yourself? You know, why go into the race? You have to validate, but why push yourself so much? And a year or two ago, uh, she got uh, not really in trouble, just um, I don't know how to phrase it. But uh, for not looking like she was trying really hard during the race, she was like stopping and eating chips with, with uh, fans or something like that, or eating a bag of chips while walking on the marathon. And uh, so this year, she was talking before the race about how she was going to go out there and kill it. And then on race day, oh, you know what, I'm going to hold back because I'm not feeling well. And I thought that was, I don't know what to make of that. I'm not there and I'm not her and I don't know. But it was interesting that that went down. And then Melinda Hosschild. Uh, won the females race. There was a guys race portion of it, but it wasn't really all that uh, amazing. It was pretty good. A Canadian one, which was pretty neat, um, the men's side. But on the women's side, Melinda Hoschild looks freaking vicious on the run. <laughs> I mean, she is just insane. And she is going to give Miranda something to worry about because that was nuts how well she could run. And she took first. And I think she was pretty much leading from early on, uh, at least early on in the run. It was live on the internet, and I was watching it from there, and that's where I picked up. Hey, everybody. Pardon my interruption, but I needed to hop in here for a second and say that when I was editing the show, I realized I made a mistake, and I said that Annabelle Luxford got second in this race instead of Yvonne Van Vlerken and... My apologies, I needed to come back in here and dub it in, which just sounds incredibly professional, and I will punish myself uh, later today when I do my run workout with hill repeats so that I don't ever do this again, and yeah, so Annabelle Luxford, no, Yvonne Van Vlerken, yes, and I also have to say it again here in a, in a 30 seconds or so, so enjoy, and then something crazy happened. Yvonne Van Blurken passed Carolyn Steffen at the finish line, the finish line shoot with uh, <laughs> like two seconds left in the race. Uh, and then uh, so Carolyn went from second to third with within just, you know, 20 yards of the finish line. There's a photo of it online. And then she... Um, carolyn stefan crossed and then collapsed and there's a uh, she went to the hospital or some a medical tent and the the uh, podium for the women's race was first melinda up on the podium you know the highest spot and then second yvonne van blurken and then third empty <laughs> because carolyn uh went so hard that she um she wasn't there and that was kind of an odd picture so that was Ironman uh, Melbourne, which was a really cool race. Lots of footage and lots of cool stuff about that race online and down in Australia. That was really nice. Okay, also uh, Ironman Texas, which is coming up in May, is going to be a rolling start. And wetsuits should be last. Um, I'm just relaying this as the information becomes more and more available. Um, Rules are subject to change. And don't take exactly my word for it go and if you're doing the race, go and uh, check uh, check up on it on your own. There's a lot of time between now and then. And then um, there's arguments, of course, on slowtwitch.com, the forum uh, about whether this is good or bad. I say it's great. I am a perfectly competent swimmer and I hate mass swim starts because I'm not allowed to swim. I have to spend the first um half hour of the swim fighting other people and punching them and and getting punched back and elbowing for room and i'm not a rude person and i don't like it i don't like being swam on top of by people and it sucks and i was telling somebody that asked me about it um yay more triathlon less brawling it's the the mass swim starts i think uh are dangerous and they suck and they're they're not fun and it doesn't let you show how well you can swim, um, and again, I am very, very uh, competent in the in the water. This is not coming from somebody that's scared of it or um, intimidated by it whatsoever. Uh, I grew up in swimming pools, fighting with other kids, holding, getting held, and being and holding other kids underwater, playing sharks and minnows. Um, was really good at all that kind of stuff. I love surfing and being a good roll and tumble in the in the ocean is awesome and I absolutely love it. I play pranks on my friends while swimming, grab their ankles, pull them under. They do the same to me. It's just, uh, it's lots of fun, but that's not why I'm there. I'm there to actually swim and see how fast I can do an Ironman, not, uh, waste time, uh, uh, saying, uh, sorry, 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 excuse me, sorry, pardon me, sorry. And then getting hit and stuff in the, in the face. So, uh, if it's a rolling start base it'll be some sort of version of this it'll be like little wave starts but uh, self-seated you go in through a timing mat through a narrow alley kind of thing a narrow gateway and then go in the water and go and then you can swim you got some people around you but it's like uh not much and then over the horizon you can see a line of people to swim and follow and uh the siding will be easier everything will be easier rescuing people will be easier if, if people get in trouble and um the SOS Triathlon in New York, uh, New Paltz, which I love, has a kind of a version of this where you bike first and then you trail run second before you ever hit the water. And by the time you hit the water, you're so strung out that there, there's somebody in front of you and uh, and there's somebody behind you. And then people pass each other and stuff in the water, but it's a narrow rope of people um, that makes it really easy to swim and get the swim done, but it's still open water and it's still competitive and it's great. I love it. It's great. So thank you, Iron Man, for doing that. Okay, and other other big news is PowerTap has now introduced pedals and chain rings. So these are power meters for your bike. Um, Power Tap was one of the first, if not the first on the scene and they did, um, uh, and have been doing for years, a power meter based in the rear hub of your bike. And then it's built into your wheel and you want to switch, uh, bikes Well, you take your wheel out and put it in another, on another bike, um, which has its upsides and downsides. I mean, it's, it's fast and it works, um, and, uh, but then some other, um, Brands have come out with uh, well crank arm. you have to move the crank arm, and then the Holy Grail seemed to be pedals, but the execution on the pedals so far has been, um, oh, and chain ring is another one. Um, but it's basically your crank, but not your crank arm. And the Holy Grail seemed to be pedals because you could just remove your pedals and move them to another bike. And Garmin came out with those. Well that has a real downside and they, for whatever reason they had to be calibrated. And there's this little pod that hangs off and all this crap and that's uh and they were expensive and it's two power meters instead of just one and all kinds of crazy stuff and a power tap just introduced i have a power tap by the way in my hub uh, they're not a sponsor or anything like that i've never had problems with it whatsoever and customer service has been great and um and they're renowned for just being just the Honda, Toyota of these, of these power meters, which are complicated and, uh, they just work and they work great. And, and occasionally you have like a, somebody that has a problem with it, but it's nothing, you know, nothing, nothing problematic. It's fine. Um, the problem isn't problematic. Yeah, it is to them. <laughs> anyway, um, power tap announced, uh, just the other day that they're doing, uh, pedal based power now you can get a set of pedals for like, uh, 1200 bucks or something like that. And then you can also get, uh, chain ring based power as well if you want. So they're doing three different versions all from the same company, chain ring, pedal, and the pedals are, um, totally self encased. So no extra pieces or anything like that. And apparently no calibration needed or or anything like that. And then. no external calibration with weird pods and how much torque to apply to the axles and stuff, and then all, uh, still the uh, rear hub, and um, the prices seem to be really good. The the uh, chain ring one is um, seven hundred bucks or something like that, and I don't know. All around, it's pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. Um, I like pedal base, but I've never had them, so I don't know. But power tap pedal. Uh, would be, um, I imagine, with it being self-contained and all easily powered and all that stuff. It uh, seems to be pretty nice. I think the pedals would weigh a lot. Um, that would bother me, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Don't know. haven't tried it. But anyways, it's big news in the triathlon industry. All right. All that stuff has been brought to you by... Let's, uh, let's pick a sponsor here. Hornet Juice. Oh, man. Hornet Juice is a great sponsor of the show. I've been a sponsor, probably, probably my longest running sponsor. And um, this stuff is amino acids that you add to, it's a packet of, of powder and you add it to your fuel and it's, it's only 60 calories and it lasts an hour and a half. And basically it's, it's protein. Um, and what it does is it turns on your body's signaling to start using fat for fuel. And holy cow, does it work? I'm going to read some emails in in, it after the interview, and it is amazing how much this, how well this works, and how much people respond to it, and how much they love it. And it is synthetic. (laughs) I love saying this. It is synthetic Japanese killer hornet saliva. (laughs) And what scientists did was they figured out that this heavy bug that can fly for hundreds of miles without stopping what is it using for fuel well it's using fat for fuel and then to turn on the metabolism of this fat it uses these chemicals these proteins in its saliva so scientists figured this out separated it out figured out that that's what this is and then started replicating the lab gave it to people and amazingly People are a lot like Japanese killer hornets. <laughs> and it started metabolizing body fat. And they're like, holy cow. And it really does work. And you can help support Zen and Yard of Triathlon by going and get some of this on the right-hand side of the page, ZenTriathlon.com. You can go there. And you get yourself something really cool and really fun to try out and should definitely work i get so many repeat orders of people saying how awesome it is and then you also get to help out this great show that you love and listen to so much and a little bit comes towards zen and yard triathlon and a whole lot goes right back towards you so you get to help out somebody else and yourself at the same time it's a win-win it's really cool all right so that's hornet juice and let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Doug McLean. I really enjoyed doing this interview. We talked for a long time about all kinds of stuff. So if you think that you know where this conversation's headed, just hold on because you never know where it's going to go next. All right, here we go. Here's Doug.
0: Welcome to the next level.
2: Hello, Doug. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Okay. I'm uh I'm not good at this whole Skyping
1: thing. Oh <laughs> I never it's, use it. So. It's not a goal to
2: to achieve in life. <laughs> no. Okay, phew <laughs> I'll no longer feel inadequate about yeah, it.
1: Yeah, I, I work in technology and I've learned that if you specialize in something then. Then uh they don't ever promote you because they don't oh. want to lose you that as that specialist. So it's kinda you gotta transcend the technology and then find people that are good at using it. And
2: Ooh, then insane. and yeah. then
1: and then be good at hiring them and then telling them what to do.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well so, it sounds like uh you gotta figure it out. I guess. Oh
1: no, not at all. Uh, <laughs> but i've had to learn to give up on on like having to be the expert in my field and like little little technology tricks and stuff and just be like because it's changing so fast anyway like
2: yeah yeah
1: yeah Yeah, you get really good at skype version i don't know whatever you know 3.8 and then they change everything oh. and, then, and then after a while you just have to give up just saying
2: just so really what you're doing is helping me rationalize my like complete <laughs> yeah. confidence at all things phone related.
1: Yeah, not to worry about it. Okay. Technology sweet. changes too fast. So Yeah.
2: Yeah. Indeed.
1: And when they say Skype's dead, now you have to use Wandoozle twelve, you know, then be like, oh. oh okay. Whatever.
3: Sure. Sure. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. Well, I'm glad to have you on. Yeah. And um Mostly about the uh, article that you wrote that was uh, so great for a lot of people to hear. Oh, yeah. About the melanoma scare that you had. And also, I want to give people a little bit of background on you first. Um, You were commissioned as an officer in the Navy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I needed, um, (laughs) for lack of a more... uh, you know, you can come up with, you know, it's just being in the Navy, it's, you know, it's a good thing to do. I think you should serve your country in some capacity, be it uh-huh. in the, the military or the, you know, some sort of volunteer organization or whatever. Right. Uh, political sphere, you know, public service, something. Um, and so, uh, yeah, my dad kind of presented me with an option. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can do ROTC or you can figure out how to pay to pay for school on your own yes so i was like uh, i guess i'll do rtc yeah and uh you know because college ain't cheap um even back then i, I started school in 98 it was still tuition was still 30 grand a year right um and so yeah i did rtc and then i did my four years in the navy I was on a my first year in the navy i went to grad school which is pretty awesome um yeah. And then I spent three years on a destroyer just out of Everett, Washington, and we were all over the Pacific Ocean, the Indian Ocean, and just doing all, all sorts of Navy things. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's good. I yeah. mean, it was, it's hard work. You're working, even when you're back home in port, you're still working 80 hours a week. Yeah. Uh, I, was
1: then, in, um, I was in the Corps at A&M, oh, and uh, my parents were the exact same way. Yeah. Uh, you want to go to college? Yeah. Okay, you're in the Corps. and i'm like no (laughs) because i already already went to military school i went to marine military academy in high school and they were uh there i was like i'm done with that i'm i don't need any more i got it and uh Mm -hmm. i understand (laughs) and uh, i got all the discipline i can handle and they said uh nope if uh if you're gonna go to a a university we'll pay for half Mm -hmm. if um or more, and yeah. uh, if you if you're in the corps, and uh, I said okay, so lots of my friends ended up uh, being commissioned in um, on in the navy because I was in a navy marine unit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, Laurent Theravel was a navy officer. I'm not sure where. No, he might have been a marine officer. But anyway, that's cool. I understand kind of where you're coming from. That's a that's a lot. I want I want to contrast uh, later on you being on a on a navy destroyer versus being at a with all these uh trained killers <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that and all that you've been through with such discipline uh within uh it's funny like going to a triathlon training camp where you've got such individuals right but having to deal with the a common goal and like oh yeah was jesse how good is jesse at trying to rein everybody in and and uh get everybody to behave and stuff like that oh yeah
2: oh i've got thoughts on that yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> haven't been a captain you know i was reading that uh or you were not a cap you were what was your you were a lieutenant uh, or a- i
2: got out as an O three, 3 which is uh just lieutenant uh-huh yeah. Yeah. okay
1: but um executive function right on a boat your 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 job is a hey, ship
2: Ship. It was a ship. A ship a boat. I know. A Boat.
1: A boat. Yeah. A ship, <laughs> a ship has boats on it. My dad was in the navy. I know. I, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, just it, I yeah. was. I was. Wo- I was woken up many mornings with the navy whistle from my dad. Yeah. My brother oh. and I would roll over in bed, going, "Oh my God, no, not again!"
2: Oh, Lord. Yeah. I still have nightmares about that. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Oh no, no, no! <laughs> <laughs> All hands on deck! My brother like, oh, when will he stop? Oh, oh my yeah, God! Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So um uh the executive function your job as an officer right is to is to make decisions the best decision and then tell your your crew i guess uh what to do from there
2: uh essentially yeah so i mean i i, I was a division officer and uh-huh. i was in charge of uh First division, which is just the name for the guys who are up topside doing all the the deck stuff, the anchorings, the line handling, the moorings, the small boat ops, the helicopter ops, all that kind of stuff. Um, And so I was – and every division officer kind of is in the same situation where they have a division and then they also stand watch. So my my commitments were kind of 50-50. Like, you know, 50% of the time I was dealing, I had about 40 guys working for me. And kind of the key there, well, I guess the key to everything, it was one of my one of my buddies uh, told me this in my first year when I was just at, at grad school in the Navy, but he had been out in the fleet for a little while before going back to grad school. Uh-huh. And he said, Doug, you know, it's not what you do, it's what you get done. And I kind of tried to carry that with me, you know, because in a perfect world, your division, you know, my 40 guys would just be... Uh, well oiled machine running on their own, and I would just kind of have to like come in and you know give them a little info and then let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, ideally, they don't need me now, of course, it doesn't work out that way, right? Um, but you know, that was the deal with the division, and then we'd go up on the bridge, and so I would just stand watch as officer of the deck. And you know, there's usually it was either four or five hours, just depending on what watch it was, where you were in the watch rotation, and you're just running the ship from up there. Right, Um, you know, and yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, you're just trying to get people. It's middle management. Um, Yeah, because
1: you're having to deal with like guys going, like on shore leave and getting in trouble and stuff too, right? Oh, lord. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. You have to be the executive function, right? You have to be like, okay, guys, we're going to the port.
2: (laughs) Oh, there's, uh, there's. I know
1: you haven't seen a girl that, in like, well, you probably have girls all over ships.
2: Now, uh, our crew is maybe, I don't know, 10 or 15% female. Yeah. Something like
1: that. Yeah. Um, uh, so control yourselves, and then you know when they come back, you got have to deal with. You
2: know. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you have 40 guys in your division, you know, 37 of them are great, you know, like, no problems. You don't even have to worry. You don't think about them at all. But then there's always two or three knuckleheads <laughs> who just go out and. They end up in the wrong part of town or yeah, they drink yeah. too much or this and that. And next thing you know, you're down at the local police station in God knows what country. Right. You right. Know, and it's like, uh. yeah.
3: Um,
2: and like, you know, they're not bad people. They just like, they're so excited to get on shore. Yeah. Like they just go overboard, you know, right. they, they go too far. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, I mean, don't get me wrong. It wasn't like the worst thing ever, but it was just one of the headaches that you have to deal with. Right.
1: Yeah. So, what was it like being in the uh, ROTC at Cornell? You don't ever think of Cornell and ROTC, or at least I don't.
2: So, um,
1: what's that like? How much time do you have
2: to spend in uniform doing Yeah, it wasn't bad. Stuff? It's just every... So, we had to take naval science every semester. Uh-huh. History uh, of
1: American naval sea power? Yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um, I know. And that was... You know, it was three credits, but it was literally the easiest three-credit class you could ever ask for. Mm-hmm. You know, because they want us to have a good GPA. Yeah. So basically, as long as you just show up and do what they tell you, you're going to get at least an A minus. Yeah. Um, it was usually two days a week, like Tuesday, Thursday morning. We would have Naval Science from like, I don't know, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. Um, All the freshmen have to do drill, which is, you know, march around with rifles and stuff. Yep. They would have to practice that three, I think it was three mornings a week at like 5 a.m. But I got out of it because I was uh, on the varsity rowing team. And if Uh you were a varsity athlete, you didn't have to do drill. So I was like, whew. They ought
1: to to call it that like in the course catalog, marching around with rifles and stuff. (laughs) Because that's literally (laughs) what it is. Yeah, it's not even, I mean, you do learn the skill, right, of Of how to do that. But actually, it's to teach you to be a little bit of a robot and trust in the upper management to tell you what to do because as a yeah, mass part of
2: a team and yeah, you're it, a team. Yeah. And it teaches you the whole, like a really big thing in the military is attention to detail. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, that that's a very useful lesson for when you're out in the fleet. Right. But like when you're in college and they're teaching you that, like, the, the, they make you think the fate of the world depends on the angle of the rifle when right. it's sitting on your shoulder. Like, of course, that's not important. But like, they're teaching you to pay attention to little things like that. Well, you, know? you
1: know, whenever you watch video footage of, of some poor country in the middle in the Middle East trying to get together a ragtag unit, and <laughs> you see them marching along and and uh, and doing a little bit of drill, and they're off a little bit. Oh, you know, oh, and all that alignments off. And you're boy, yeah. yeah, you're like, you can tell how well they're going to execute in, um, in, in combat. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. You're, you're like, okay, compared to a unit that is just so tight, you know, you're like, okay, it, do, it does tell a little bit about how, how much training somebody's done it's pretty yeah heavy. yeah yeah
2: to yeah. a certain extent to a certain um, extent
1: yeah yeah you don't want to like it's not oh, like you don't a, judge like, until you get out there
2: <laughs> yeah perfect correlation yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, by any means um and then yeah so we had to wear a uniform every wednesday you know from whatever 8 a.m to 4 p.m or something mm-hmm. and we would have like uh they called it drill. We would just Barton Hall is the big. Uh, it was a uh, airplane hangar in World War One, mm-hmm. and since it's been converted now, it's like an indoor track. And then also the ROTC building, yeah. like uh, Army, Air Force, and Navy uh-huh. ROTC, are all in Barton Hall. And we would just go up to Barton Hall and do something um, every Wednesday afternoon. You know, it was you know it was obviously Navy related, but mm-hmm. you know sometimes it was whatever, physical type thing. Sometimes it was lectures. Sometimes it was whatever. Um, wow. No, it, it really wasn't that um, Yeah, obtrusive in our time because you know, they wanted us to do well in school. Yeah. Um, so Max, I'd say ROTC took up six hours a week or something like that. Oh, my God. You know, if that.
1: Y'all it had it that. so much better in the core at A&M. You're in full uniform yeah. almost all the time. You have to run <laughs> everywhere, everywhere. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I you know, I yeah. think about that sometimes. Like it's insane. It's absolutely
1: insane. And yeah, there's there's co eds. I mean, you're only two thousand students in the core and you all live together in twelve dorms and in one part of campus, and the student body is sixty thousand students. So you're surrounded by everybody having so much fun being uh-huh. civilians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're in your torture chamber, right in the middle of it all. Oh, oh, it's just brutal. Yeah, there's no doubt you're in the core like 24 hours.
2: Oh no, ROTC. You're pretty much like you're just a normal student, and like the only difference is like you can't grow a beard and you have to keep your hair cut short. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It's really not that. Like I mean, oh, they get you. They get you back. Oh yeah. Like they get their money's worth out of you, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But when you're actually in college, it's it's really not that oh, much of a drain at all. I think know? I should have done that. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> then um
1: what about you didn't you said that you didn't used to uh, like endurance sports, but you were doing on your bio. Um let's see oh, yeah. uh dot com. Yeah. And then um but you were on a destroyer and this is after being on the rowing you were on the rowing team right yeah 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 and then um so what do what do uh navy guys and gals do on the um on a ship (laughs) say the correct thing what do they do on a ship for exercise like that i've heard
2: stories of people trying to run on submarines and stuff i mean not much fine (laughs) Not not honestly like because it's not you know if you want to get down to like the most like um Practical sense of the word, uh-huh. like if you're in a situation in the Navy where like physical fitness really matters, or I should say on a ship, yeah. there, there are obviously many jobs in the Navy where physical fitness is extremely. Oh important. yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but like if you're on a destroyer and like like really top end physical fitness is an issue, like you've got serious problems. Okay, um, can you run so
1: on a ship, or are you going to fall down because of it rolling in the sea?
2: uh it depends on the on the the situation yeah uh you know we had really good weather guys who would keep us out of generally keep us out of the really heavy seas
3: yeah
2: uh there were certain situations like if we were up off uh british columbia Mm -hmm. there's just nothing you could do you're going to be in 10 foot seas and that was that and everyone is going to be throwing up and that was life (laughs) um But so we had like like a weight room in the back, you know, with all the weights secured in such a way that like you weren't, they weren't gonna flop over and break things. Free weights, yeah. Um, you know, on like Smith machines, and then up front we had a couple ellipticals, a couple treadmills, and a couple stationary bikes. And I lobbied super, super hard, and I eventually convinced them to get a rowing machine. Mm -hmm. Um, But by and large, you know, maybe. I don't know. I would say 20 or 30% of the ship's crew really worked out. Mm-hmm. Uh everyone else, you're just working hard at your regular job. Yeah. And like if you get time off, um like I said because like physical fitness really isn't a critical component of being, you know, on a surface ship generally. Yeah. You just, you know, you're like, "Uh, I could go work out or I could like get get a couple extra hours in my rack." Right. And nine times out of 10, everybody chooses, I'm going to get a couple extra hours in my rack. Yeah. Um, Because not only are you like sleep deprived anyways, but then there are just these random like we call them evolutions or whatever you want to call them that just pop up. And all of a sudden, you were counting on getting sleep at, say, 7 p.m. But then all of a sudden, we have this emergency scramble for this or that. And all of a sudden, you can't sleep at 7 p.m. Right uh and so you're just like here's a chance to sleep i'm taking advantage of it yeah uh, that kind of a thing and then you know when when we would get back home pull in port guys would kind of start getting you know everyone would get a little better uh start working out again get a little bit healthier so yeah. they could pass the physical fitness test and all that stuff um it must have kinda-
1: prepared you for being a triathlete, always ready to take a nap
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it's uh yeah, it certainly prepares you to deal, stand in a midwatch up on the bridge, uh-huh. like in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, does a whole lot for preparing you to deal with like the boredom of an Ironman bike. Yeah. Um, oh,
1: yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, people that grew up with really bad childhoods, where they had to endure a lot, um, and then also poor childhoods, where they had to entertain themselves, and mm-hmm. ex-military, um, always do well in long-distance endurance sports. Because what? the mental suffering component is taken care of. They're, oh, yeah. They've got that already. Um, and it's yeah. something you can actually train, and you can be unfortunate and train it um, out of, not because you wanted to, but because you had right. to. And right. People right. always end up pretty tough. Yeah. Well, yeah. okay. So you went to Michigan. Uh, yeah. Grad school at Michigan. Grad school at Michigan. And you were working on a PhD in environmental engineering. Yeah. Good. I love that, man, because I all my yeah. all my schoolwork was environmental stuff. And then yeah.
2: but then you quit. Wait, did yeah. you quit? And you know, I was a, started doing yeah, pro triathlon? Yeah, I was very little supervision. I had two advisors. Yeah. And my only Face-to-face interaction with them was a Monday meeting every every week for an hour, uh-huh. and so I was pretty much just left to my own devices. Yeah, uh, you know, and they had all sorts of other things going on, so they didn't know I would just come to them with progress report and what I want to do next, mm-hmm. and they didn't know like if I was working hard or if I was slacking off. You right. know, I was basically no supervision.
3: Yeah,
2: um, and in ver- you know, I would go in and and do work, but as it, time went on and on, I realized like. You know, I started writing. I think it was called like a prelim, which is essentially like this thirty, forty-page document detailing step by step what you're going to do for your dissertation research. Um, And I would just kind of like every if it was nice out, I was faced with that choice: like, do I want to ride my bike or do I want to write this prelim? (laughs) And you know, don't you wish you
1: could do both at the same time? Yeah, I I I wish so much I could do computer work while on the trainer. It's just just. just barely too difficult you know what i mean yeah you you can't get in a good workout if you're trying to think and type like 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 right now like coaching right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if you could do both at the same time but you can't coach well while trying to put in a good effort on the bike oh no not at all no
2: it's like there's so much mental energy required for like a quality workout yeah okay anyway sorry yeah no, no, yeah. So you know, nine times out of ten, I chose. I was like, oh, I think I'll go out on my bike, <laughs> um, and I, you know, I just went into my advi- I I had these injuries in 2008. I had a stress fracture in my femur, yeah. Ooh. Um, and then I needed shoulder surgery, and it was 2000. At the time, I was just a mediocre age grouper. Like yeah. I think my best finish was 10. I had done like seven triathlons, and my best finish was a 10:46 Ironman Lake Placid. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, it's good, but Uh, it's not pro. Right. Yeah. (laughs) But I knew, like, just I believed in myself. I was like, I think I can be pretty good. Yeah. So, you know, and I was 28, and I said to myself, you know, triathletes peak when they're 35, 36. Uh Um, If I want to be good when I'm 35, 36, I need to get serious about it now. Yeah. Uh, And so I just went up to my advisors, and I said, like, listen, guys, you know, I'm just, my heart is not in this. Yeah. I got to go. So I took my, you know, my, my friend called it my consolation masters and uh <laughs> mo- moved out to to Colorado and I've just been 100% a triathlon guy ever since. And that I, was moved out here December 2008.
1: I interviewed uh Jordan I interviewed Jordan Rapp. Gosh, I keep I, I hope I can keep saying that uh every once in a while. Yeah. And uh one thing he said is if you want to go pro, you got to commit. Too many people go pro kind of on the side yeah, and then they never get to be top pro because they never, they never really commit full on. And I, but sometimes, you know, you gotta, you know, sometimes you can just, uh, keep your fingers crossed and pray that it'll work out, you know?
2: But a lot of us have
1: to make money on the side too, right? So you're like... The best
2: option is to have a, a, a sugar mama or sugar daddy. <laughs> well, you know, my, my my sugar daddy was Uncle Sam, actually.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. See?
2: Cause, so I was in the Navy for four years, and we get paid a good salary. Yeah. A third of it is tax-free. Um, wow. And then not only is it a good salary, but we're out at sea for six months out of the year, so you're really not spending any money. Yeah. Um. And yeah, that's true. I, I have a
1: friend that was on a submarine, and yeah. he had a whole bunch of money— uh, Uh, saved
2: up and i just had it was something like 50 or 60 percent of every paycheck i was direct depositing into mutual funds with usaa yeah uh and i got lucky with a couple of them and so you know i was at michigan i had a lot of money in the bank and so i had freedom Mm -hmm. and that that's what kind of gave me the freedom to know that i could come out to colorado because i just had all this money saved up and i was like You know what? Screw it. It doesn't matter that I'm terrible at triathlon and have no source of income. Like I have this safety net. Yeah. Um, Now, of course, I've whittled that safety net down to almost zero at this point. (laughs) um, Unfortunately, because my first year, my nah, my first three years, I was just draining twenty five hundred dollars a month straight out of the bank account every single month. Yeah. Um, And now, you know, I'm I'm doing I'm doing much better now, but that three years of just draining money really uh kind of kinda of hurt hurt the balance, I yeah, guess you could I, say. It will.
1: So yeah. you had a you had a scare with some melanoma yeah. um recently and looking at I don't know you personally and mm-hmm. uh looking at your pictures and you look like you're a redhead. Yes. And um you know, I go to races, uh Richie Cunningham's done a bunch of races that I've been in and I'm like, that guy I hope yeah. he wears a ton of sunscreen because right, right. he is such a redhead and I'm like that he's got like no built-in sun protection whatsoever. Not that yeah. it'll, it'll get anybody, but it just doesn't help.
2: Well, we're and, just more more prone to it.
1: Yeah, and um like my my granddad was a uh, redhead and he he managed to live to 82 or something like that, but eventually melanoma got him. And yeah. then um but, I mean, <laughs> that's really late in life. But, like, I grew up with, with him always getting little pieces kind of plucked off here and there and stuff. And uh-huh. he was a kid that grew up in Florida, just, you know, yeah. just a normal guy. And then, um, so, and I also grew up with really conscious parents telling me, uh, you know, stay out of the sun as much as you can. But they were reasonable. They wanted me to have a good, a good time. I, and I was a lifeguard. Yeah. And um I went to that military school in South Texas. I grew up in Texas and in the south, just lots. I'm a I'm blonde and blue-eyed, but um I actually tan a little bit better than the average person. The skin doctor said uh you, you tan easily, don't you? And I said, "Yeah." And he said, "That's good." <laughs> but I'm still I'm still fair-skinned, you know. Uh-huh. And then um so I'm very aware of this issue and i think more people should be and um i really now I, i've i've spent so much time out on the tri bike which is the worst part for oh, hours yeah. and hours and hours in the sun and i'm like this cannot be good for us so what are we doing yeah and um so you got anybody can get melanoma at any time oh yeah um i have a coworker that just had a when she was 20 something years old just Like twenty-two, just popped up on her, and she does she's not out in the sun any more than anybody. Uh And um had it cut off and then that was it. You know, it's gone. So what how did you see yours and uh what do you think led to it, or is just a just a thing that can happen to anybody or what? Yeah,
2: my mom and dad told me they would make me wear sunscreen, but I never knew why growing up. Honestly, like I didn't even know melanoma was a thing. I was just like Mom, I don't want to wear sunblock. (laughs) Um And so, when I, you know, moved out of the house, I didn't even really worry about it anymore because I never was like, you know, I wasn't like, oh, not wearing sunscreen will give me cancer. Like, that never occurred to me. Um, And then, for a few years in triathlon, I just didn't even worry about it. Um, You know, I would just go out and get burned. I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll get it. Because it it turns into a tan eventually. You know, it's like, yeah, I'll get a tan. (laughs) Yeah. Um, If you live, you'll be tan. Yeah. yeah. And then I was 31, and one of my friends, who was 32 at the time, mm-hmm. uh, died from melanoma. Ooh. And I was like, wait, what? This this is a thing? Yeah. What's going on?
1: This is a thing.
2: Yeah. So that was 2011. Yeah. Um, And, you know, that put the fear of God in me, and I just started... And then shortly after that, my mom also had melanoma. Oh. and then I started looking into it, and I found out she's fine now. Uh-huh. Um, you know, she got it, caught it in time. Mm-hmm. Um, I started realizing all these other people had also had it, specifically in the outdoor sports community. Oh, definitely, yeah. And so I, I just started going to the doctor every, you know, four or five months, and just if anything looked even slightly off to me i was like shave it off shave it off take it take it mm-hmm. uh, cuz i knew i was going to get melanoma eventually given my my skin like my skin tone yeah uh, my history of sun exposure my family history all this stuff i was like yeah mm-hmm. uh-huh. so it's just a matter of if i catch it in time yeah uh so this was going on for a few years uh, i guess 4 years and it really you know, it drove me to the point of nearly quitting the sport several times. Yeah. So I was like, this is stupid. It's just not worth it. You know? Um, and then fast forward to 2015, uh, you know, and I was doing the whole thing. Anytime I saw a suspicious mole, I would take a picture of it, take another picture of it a month later, see if it had changed things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so August, 2015, I'm racing or August, 2014. Sorry. Um, I'm racing Challenge Penticton, and I just decided to buzz my hair before the race, just because, like, you know, having short hair is convenient and easy for racing. And I just noticed this oddly shaped mole kind of near about an inch behind my left temple, but under the hair. You know, I never would have seen it if I had kept my regular length hair. My regular length hair is really, really thick. Yeah. And that's
1: weird, right? You would think that that would block you
2: from the sun well that's the thing with yeah, melanoma yeah. it's not like it's not a spot mm-hmm. it's not necessarily where you got burned yeah it's just you can get it anywhere on your skin like you yeah. get melanoma in like on the inside of your cheek, mm-hmm. you know, and in situations like that you're just kind of screwed almost because there's no way you're going to notice it you yeah. know
3: oh wow, I don't um, think about
2: that yeah it it 's more common to get it maybe in areas that see more sun, but it's certainly not exclusively in yeah. areas that see sun. Uh, So anyways, I noticed this thing and I call Lisa, Lisa my girlfriend, and I'm like, this thing's freaking me out. I don't like it. She's like, well, just get it checked out when you get back to Boulder. I was like, okay. So I go back to Boulder in August and I get it checked out and I see the dermatologist and she's like, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. What?
1: Oh yeah, Yeah. that's right. That's part of the story. You had to go to two people.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, okay. Uh, And then two months later, this thing is still bugging me. You know, I just know it's there. And not bugging me like I can't feel it. There's no, like, you know, scratching or itching or anything like that. But I just know it's there, and it's on my mind. And I'm like, Lisa, I, this thing is driving me crazy. She's like, Dad, shut up. Dude. Just go to the dermatologist again. I was like, <laughs> she didn't really say it like that. She's, she's not naggy. She's being ridiculous with my voice there. Yeah. Uh, and so I did go back. It was the same office, but a different doctor. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was like, listen, guy, I don't care what you say, what you think of this. You got to take it off because it was like slightly irregularly shaped and it kind of also had a slight red tone to it. Oh yeah. And so, you know, anytime you have a mole that's like slightly irregularly shaped or if it has two different colors, you get that sucker taken off ASAP. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of disturbing to me that both these doctors didn't think it was anything. So he takes it off two days later. He calls me up. He's like, you have cancer. And, you know, I was like, oh, my God, you know, because uh, you just don't know what's going on. You don't know how deep it's, it is. You don't know if it's spread, all this stuff. Um, so and because of the location of it, they needed to do it was a fairly like complex surgery. They needed to call in um, a second surgeon.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and so I was waiting around for about five weeks to get my surgery. And that whole five weeks, you know, I was just a, a ball of stress and nerves and scared um, how long how long did, that? how many weeks it was about five weeks from the diagnosis to the surgery oh my god that's forever i would I know, start
1: playing terrible. on my own head with a swiss army knife yeah yeah
2: oh oh i thought about it <laughs>
1: <laughs> freeze yeah. that sucker i don't know what so yeah the way my granddad died was um he he was he had a melanoma and sure. was getting them removed but but um it what what it's called is uh, metastasize that's where a piece of it breaks off yeah um and gets in your bloodstream and wherever it lands this is the way i understand it wherever it lands it can decide to start cancer somewhere else i yeah. think and so that's he died a- he actually died of brain cancer yeah which yeah. was inoperable right yeah. but that's the danger of of melanoma is it can it yeah it's it, on your skin breath. yeah, yeah and it but it spreads to other places when it metastasizes
2: so you yeah. got to get
1: it off early at five weeks
2: what oh my god and so the, yeah. you know the thing is the only thing that made me feel normal like was training because yeah you're sick and you and you have this and you just feel so helpless and defeated and crushed but then like when you're on a bike or you're in the pool or you're running like you feel strong yeah you're and you just in control. kind of feel good about yourself again yeah you know, or like going over to my sister's house and playing with her kids. Like you just don't think about it. Yeah. Uh, so you just try to do as many things as you can to make you feel normal and strong and healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went in for the surgery. It was December 9th um, and they took out, you know, they just ripped out all the skin that was anywhere, like, within an inch of the melanoma spot. Mm-hmm. And then they also took out nearby lymph nodes, mm-hmm. and, and they didn't take out the whole lymph node, just parts of it, to do a biopsy. And there was no evidence that it spread anywhere. Good, yeah. Um, so, you know, I guess we got it early enough, and we move on with life, and, you know, maybe I'll get it again, and, you know, it's just a matter of if I catch it again, you yeah. know? So, we'll see. yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, kind of like riding in traffic, isn't it? You
2: yeah, no, it really is. Get buzzed you know, by a car, okay. and you're
1: like, "I hope that doesn't happen again." Too much.
2: Yeah, everything is. Uh, you know, we're we're taking risks in literally everything we do, and you just kind of decide what risks you can manage and what ones you can. not So, and, what kind of
1: what kind of sunscreen do you wear now?
2: Um, <laughs> like duct tape. What's that? Duct tape. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Anything that's zinc oxide-based or titanium dioxide-based. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, zinc yeah,
1: was an old-school brand of that stuff.
2: Yeah, you yeah. want to stay away from those, like, avobenzone, oxybenzone, anything based on a benzene group. Yeah, um, that's bad. Because they'll break down and become carcinogenic. Yeah, uh, which and is then ironic also, as, as heck. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> and then uh, I find on my nose, because my nose gets it really bad, I'll use, actually, Desitin, you know, that diaper rash cream. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's just like zinc oxide paste, basically. And uh,
1: really, I didn't know that. And it would probably be cheaper than buying zinc oxide sunscreen.
2: Yeah, it's it's cheap and it it's just like an impenetrable wall. Yeah, and nothing gets through that. Yeah, uh, it works pretty well. Like there's a local company. You know, it's hard to find the spray mm-hmm. uh, zinc. But there's a local company here in Boulder, uh, Goddess Garden, Garden Goddess. One of the one of those, um, and they make a spray on, spray-on zinc. Um, it's expensive as hell; like it's twenty dollars a bottle. But yeah. I still buy it, uh, particularly like for race day, you know, because it's easy to put on the spray-on in transition. Uh, yeah, so works out pretty well for that. You know, but other than that, I just kind of get whatever's in the store that's a zinc oxide-based cream. You know. Yeah. And people ought to know
1: that. Zinc oxide is like the um, – that's the crown jewel of of uh, sun skin protectant for sun.
2: Well, like along those lines, though, I should say it's its one of my – one of the things I always – when people ask me about it, it's like sunscreen is good, but clothing is better.
1: Oh, true. Yeah.
2: You know, so I – unless it's – there's something really funny going on. I'm always wearing – like uh, so my clothing sponsor, Skins, they're, they're out of Australia, and mm-hmm. Australians are always dealing with skin cancer. Yeah. Uh, you know, a bunch of white people running around in a tropical area. Out in the Outback. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, So everything Skins makes is uh, uh, whatever, UPF, SPF, I don't know what the accepted term is these Mm -hmm. days. But anyways, we'll call it SPF 50. Um, And so I just wear like a Skins base layer Mm -hmm. basically on every single workout. It's 95 degrees out. I'm still wearing uh, a long-sleeve base layer under my bike jersey or under my running shirt. Yeah, uh, something like that and that just you know again it's just like an impenetrable wall to the sun nothing have nothing you, getting through
1: have you found something for the, your wrists and your fingers and thumbs
2: um, to no. wear
1: I like,
2: just wear uh, I just buy I don't know I just went to a bike shop and got these bike gloves that claim to be SPF 50 so I just wear those like fingerless gloves Just fingerless gloves
1: yeah I've been kind of wondering because the backs of my hands and my wrists get, I've got long arms yeah. And so stuff doesn't cover up that section of wrist, so yeah.
2: my inner wrists are
1: facing upwards just constantly, and I'm t- trying to figure something out.
2: I think fingerless gloves are the way to go, and then one wrist has a road ID on it, so that blocks the sun. Yeah. Uh, and then just put like a watch or something on the other wrist, you know, Yeah. It works out.
1: And then, yeah, I train all the time with arm coolers on and then um, in the sun or or arm warmers and then I haven't really what about the tops of your legs what do you wear for that
2: out on long ride do you wear anything what do you mean like my thighs yeah oh no uh, I, I trust because most of the cycling uh, bib shorts are double layer uh-huh. the fabric so that blocks all the sun anytime you kind of have a double layer fabric you're blocking the sun pretty effectively
1: what about the tops of your knees though do you have a I'll just, just put I'll, I'll put
2: like zinc oxide there okay yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'll wear um uh like skin uh uh, uh calf calf sleeves, compression yeah. sleeves, and those will keep the sun off your calf.
1: You know. So what practical like uh methods have you come up with for training to stay out of the sun so much? So like over the years I've learned to be very much okay with training indoors. In the, yeah, in, exactly. And like, I do not ride my bike outside in the middle of the day or run outside in the middle of the day unless I absolutely have to. And it's, yeah, no,
2: yeah, that's exactly what you do. Um, yeah. You swim. You, you just kind of pay attention to the UV index, mm-hmm. and you just kind of avoid the times when that UV index is getting above like six or seven. Um, and if you are going out when it's up that high, you just kind of put on uh, as much sun protection as you can. Okay. You know there are the time you have a 6-hour bike ride like love it or hate it you're going to be out when the sun is blazing. Um so you just wear the 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 do the best F-50 you can. A 50 base layer, mm-hmm. put sunscreen on any exposed skin and uh you know, go do your work.
1: <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, you've got to get on a coaching call. Do you want to you want to pick up with the what try camp was like after that?
2: Uh Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that sounds good. Yeah, I got to got to talk to my guy. Okay. He's, he's getting ready for Texas, Iron Man, Texas. So we're getting down into crunch time here.
1: Oh, yeah. So you want to text me when you're ready to get back on?
2: Yeah, sure. That sounds good.
1: Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. All right. And we are back. <laughs> so you were coaching somebody about Iron Man, Texas. Did you tell them they're crazy?
2: Uh, <laughs> um,. Yeah, well, you know, I, I like Ironman Texas. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the bike course is, is mentally tough because yeah. it's single loop and there's no spectators. True. And it's dealing with a headwind for the entire second time. half of the bike. Yeah. Uh, but I, the run is great. Three loops, tons of spectators. Yeah. Um, it, it's, I think it's a cool race. I'll, I'll be happier when they move it to April next year, so it'll be 10 yeah. degrees cooler.
1: But, I know. Yeah. I can't wait. I do it. I'm, I've done it every year because it's just uh, like an hour and a half from me. So, yeah, yeah. um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, well, let's, I guess we should wrap up talking about melanoma and such is, okay. uh, sunscreen mm-hmm. more than you more is probably not enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And don't I'm be so afraid with sunscreen. Yeah. Don't be afraid what other people say right. about it or making fun of you.
2: Um, oh goodness. Yeah. The The amount of grief I take, uh, for for all the sunblock i wear but uh i'm i'm totally okay with that i yeah. work with somebody
1: that on purpose goes to well i guess everybody that does this is on purpose uh, goes to tanning booths and i'm just like Ugh. it makes me want to rip my hair out
2: <laughs> yeah i don't uh, think you accidentally go to a tanning <laughs> yeah
1: i'm like you are doing horrible damage to yourself you got to stop you know but yeah. i just can't she's really young so i just like i can't talk her out of it so whatever yeah yeah,
2: well, the last thing people want is to be lectured, right? Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. So what I do is I make fun of her.
2: Yeah, there you go. Yeah.
1: Oh, did you did you did you grow your melanomas today? You know, <laughs> <It's> like, whatever. <laughs> All right. Oh
2: yeah, when you're young, you don't even you don't think it's a real thing. Yeah, you know, you can't yeah. even
1: conceive of like getting old when you're young. Yeah, yeah. That'll happen to
2: other people, not me.
1: No. Nope.
2: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you're exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: okay so camp you went to the q t two systems camp
2: yeah, and uh how was that oh it was uh it was productive <laughs> yeah. um, which which is the phrase i use i like to use for things that are extremely difficult but uh, also make you better um
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: it's my euphemism uh yeah it was good it so, it's great just to see everybody because um, you know it's it's part training it's part Reunion because these these uh these are your your good friends these are your best friends in the sport and uh, it you know there, there's always a couple people you don't like in the sport but by and large we all <laughs> like each other you know because um, yeah. we're all going through the same crap and we're all getting the same like dealing with the same financial struggles uh, yeah. we're all putting in the same workouts and suffering and all that kind of stuff so you know we have a lot in common and we can bond over that. Um, and everyone who shows up to the QT two camp, Jesse uh he makes sure they're they're not dummies. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so it's a whole bunch of people who aren't afraid to work hard. And and it's good stuff and we all encourage each other. You know, you occasionally you get a little bit of passive aggressive racing and workouts. Yeah. Uh but by and large it's everybody just you know, he says, okay, you know, we're going to do this bike ride. So spend an hour in zone one, and then we're going to do two by 20 minutes zone two or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so you can't even race because it's just, you just go to your zone. Um, and th- there were a couple workouts where we did race, where it was very specifically a racing environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of them, it's just, you just go to your zone. And so if someone's in front of you, like, well, that's just the way it is because they're in their zone, you're in your zone, and you're both just doing your own thing, but at the same time, you're still encouraging each other because you're both out there, um, and it really helps mentally, and you're able to really just perform and train at a higher quality than you would on your own.
1: Um, yeah, so what, what are some of the things that you got out of this year's camp, do you think?
2: um i learned that i can get into swimming shape very quickly which is nice yeah. i gotta say because i rolled into camp with very like between the surgery in december and then just kind of doing a bike focus in january i just didn't have a whole lot of swim volume uh-huh. uh in my body going into camp and the first couple workouts were really ugly like i <laughs> you know i just detonated
3: uh, <laughs> yeah.
2: it was just a couple of, we the second day we did it was two by eight by 300 and i got through the first eight by 300 just fine and this was long course like yeah. you can kind of fake your way through a short course yeah. you can't fake through long course right and the second eight by 300 was just abysmal thrashing and flailing at the water yeah. uh i wasn't going anywhere but by the end of camp i was just as fast as i've ever been in the water
3: Oh, cool. so
2: yeah. you know it just took two weeks of kind of swimming you know i, I would guess we were putting in 30, 35k a week in the pool, and it was all kind of quality. There wasn't a whole lot of garbage in there, so it gets you it gets you whipped into shape pretty quickly. And then, I think the biggest thing I learned um, was just to kind of stand up for myself. I think, mm-hmm. and not in a in a um, walking around and like talking to people sense, mm-hmm. like like, but in an athletic sense. Uh, because I w- I've been putting up really good numbers on the bike all winter, right? And I showed up to camp and but I just fell into my old routines because even though I had been putting up good numbers on the bike, I would go out on these bike workouts and I just let these people go in front of me and go faster than me because they were quote unquote supposed to be faster than me mm-hmm. based on history
3: yeah you know
2: yeah um and then i don't know maybe 10 days into camp i just had a good two-hour meeting with my coach uh tim tim snow mm-hmm. and so he's he's kind of so jesse kroppelnicki's the owner of qt2 mm-hmm. and his right hand jesse coaches probably two-thirds of the pros maybe half the pros and then tim is like his right hand man yeah tim has i don't know maybe seven or eight of us pros and then i think michelle leblanc has a couple john spinney has a couple tara rash has a couple anyways point being um tim told me just like be assertive stand up for yourself um and i just kind of took that into my bike workout the next day and then you know the rest of the camp. I wasn't like there were still people faster than me on the bike. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't because I was backing down. Like I just jumped up and I started beating people who I had previously let beat me in workouts. Uh-huh. Uh, because I I just wasn't I wasn't deferring to them anymore. I was like, no, screw it. I'm putting up big numbers and I'm going to stand up for myself and assert that I have actual power in my legs. And uh, and that was kind of a good revelation. It worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, I could see that coming up uh in on race day, right? When you're oh,
2: taking yeah. off on the
1: bike and it's like, "Well, who's going to lead this bike race?" Oh, for sure. You know, and, and it's like, and "Well, also, I'll let somebody yeah. else lead and kind of follow them and then just trail them or no, you take control of the ride,
2: right?" Yeah, exactly. Or you see somebody in a pack and you're like, "Oh, no, no, no. I can't keep up with that person." Mm-hmm. And that that like can be the entire difference in getting on the podium and finishing 14th. Yeah. It's just having that confidence to to assert yourself and say no, I'm strong enough, I'm good enough, and I'm going to go with them.
1: You know, I remember, I think it was Sebastian Keenley or somebody like that that said that they were asking him about being on the lead, being in the lead on the bike, mm-hmm. and he said um, he he actually liked it, um, yeah, uh, because he's not reacting, and when you're having to react, you actually you're losing um, time in a way because you're kind of. Coasting a little bit, kind of here and there, and and uh, oh, it's it, so good. Uh, the oh, the um, the uh, what is it? That elastic, that yo-yo of yeah, of trying to stay out of people's draft zone when uh-huh. they start going uphill and downhill and uphill and downhill, oh. and then you're having to react to all that, and you're having to re-accelerate right to mm-hmm. um to catch back up. Uh, yeah. After they they've stretched yeah. out really far and they've broken that elastic band a little bit, and yep. those surges suck and they wear you cool. out. And uh, to be, he said that being in front's the best because you don't have to worry about that. Other people have to react to you.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. And also, like, not that I'm ever in the front of like these big, you know, like uh, (laughs) Ironman brand, but you know, I'm off the front a lot in like smaller Uh local races. Um, You know, 500, 800 person races, I'll be off the front, Uh and it's really nice. Because you can control the race when you're off the front, mm-hmm. you you have you can see what everybody's doing. If somebody makes a move, you have time to react. You don't have to like sprint out of your saddle. Mm-hmm. You can say, "Oh, they closed the gap to 30 seconds. I'll just yeah, pick it up 10 more." How, how are you, you watching
1: know? that on the bike? Are you turning around and looking uh, all the time to see who's behind you? How can you tell who yeah. that is?
2: Out in backs, um, okay. okay. Or occasionally, you know, if you're rolling through an aid station, you just check back over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, You know, it's great. You check back over your shoulder. You don't see anybody. That's the ideal situation, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's rare. Yeah, Yeah. that's that's not something that happens. Then
1: you start wondering, am I lost? Right? Yeah, I'm off
2: course. Yeah, you can ask people for time checks. Um, You know, it's a little bit awkward to get time checks on the bike, but sometimes it works out. Yeah, Uh, like if there's like some out and back type of situation or something like that. Yeah, Yeah. you
1: know. Oh, so are you doing? Um, are you doing uh, Ironman Texas yourself?
2: In in As of now, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm currently, me and my coach are going back and forth about whether I should swap from Texas into Challenge Atlantic City. Oh, okay. uh, I just kind of like, I, I have a bit of a, a nagging hip issue, and I don't think it's, like, it'll be healthy in time for Texas, but... I would just have more prep time to get in running shape for Atlantic City,
3: yeah.
2: um, and then also I like the tr- the twenty meter draft zone mm-hmm. that uh, challenge uses.
3: Yeah,
2: um, it turns it more into. A r- I'm not particularly good at pack riding, uh-huh. but I'm extremely good at just
3: Solo. getting oh.
2: arrow yeah. and sitting at. Well, in QT two we call it zone two, like mid zone two. And just drilling that for 112 miles. Like yeah. I'm that, that's that's my strength. And so if you have a flat race with a hundred, I mean, with a, a 20 meter draft zone, that's exactly the situation you yeah. have.
1: That's yeah, that's like a dream come true. Isn't it? You know, yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and so Texas really is going to be. It's a non wetsuit swim, and it's a relatively flat bike. So the bike packs are going to stay together. Texas is, you know, and at 12 meters, it's really just going to be. A glorified itu race mm-hmm. uh yeah, there's gonna be 50 or 60 guys there and so that doesn't really play to my strengths yeah um but that said the timing of texas is way better with respect to the rest of my season yeah so we may just bite the bullet and stay in texas um so it's kind of you know flip a coin right now whether it's going to be texas or atlantic city we'll see Okay. Yeah. You know.
1: um what yeah, I found that Texas at the um the gentle rolling terrain. I found that elastic, you know, back and forth and back and forth for my level of biking is mm-hmm. uh was and then the the draft the drafting and the the packs and stuff like that was just annoying as heck. Uh oh. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to get called for drafting cause I do not draft. I hate drafting. I hate drafters right. and, um, but I kept finding myself, um, having to hammer to get yes. past somebody cause I, I weigh 180 pounds and so I will catch people on the downhill
3: uh-huh.
1: and then, um, so then I'm in their draft zone, you know? Yeah. And oh. then they would break up, break away on the uphill. I mean, I'm fine with that. I'm not trying to to catch up and I'd catch them on uh-huh. the downhills, and then the roads are narrow and stuff. And it's a beautiful bike ride. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I just, man, I hate the drafting situation on these, these big, iron yeah. Races. Like
2: Texas, Texas is essentially like, it's a contest of who's good at bouncing between zone one and zone three. I, yes, I guess exactly. That's
1: exactly <laughs> that, what it is.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Which I think, in in the traditional way people describe zones, it would be zone two and zone four, but we call them zone one and zone three. Uh-huh. And if that's your strength, that's that's a great race for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but Atlantic City, if you're better at just drilling it at steady in zone two, then go to Atlantic City. You know? Yeah. Yeah,
1: you are right on about that. That's a great way to describe it. Yeah, and it wears you out. Absolutely, oh, it does. wears you out. Yeah. The yeah, bouncing yeah. Back, and uh-huh. and back and forth, back and forth. Uh, cool. Okay. Strange. So back to camp, what is your, um, let's see, I asked Justin, we'll see if you say the same thing, I asked Justin what was the funniest thing about camp uh, that stood out, something that everybody was laughing about, and uh, something that stood out in your mind is like a really fun thing about camp, that people would be like, wow, that's pretty hilarious.
2: Oh, you know, um, oh, God. I remember laughing hysterically. Most of it was that jokes that we're telling each other mm-hmm. before and during workouts that I probably can't repeat on yeah. a podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, guess, I guess the most like PG thing that I thought was secretly hilarious, I don't know if everybody else found it hilarious, was like... So, Jesse Kropolnicki, mm-hmm. he laughs at his own jokes so much, but <laughs> he will not laugh at anything else that uh-huh. any other human being says. He's like a robot. Uh-huh. And I just think it's the funniest thing. I don't know. It's a whole challenge, and it's a whole game of mine to get him to laugh one day.
1: So, it's like a game trying to get him to laugh. Yeah, at yeah. At jokes. least in
2: my mind, it is. I don't yeah. know if it's a game in anyone else's mind, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> okay. um, and then, you know, there's just the stuff you laugh about, like when people... They get so cranky, and they just start these really ridiculous passive-aggressive fights mm-hmm. about the stupidest crap you can think of. Yeah. Like, would you pass me in the swim lane? Like, really? Like, that matters at all? Um, that's not to say there was, like, rampant fighting and disharmony. No. It's just, you know, you'll see somebody, like, grumbling in the corner or something like that.
1: Can you can you tell when somebody's being grumbly and you kind of do like that Snickers commercial and say, hey, man, I think you need some carbs?
2: Oh, oh, yeah. All the time. You yeah. kidding me? And it fixes oh, them too, doesn't do it? Think, it's funny. Which maybe in, in my mind, I'll I'll say one thing. Is the Twitter account Pat Wheeler's Arms? Which I find hilarious. What is it? So this guy in our squad, Pat Wheeler, and Uh he's a coach with us. Uh And someone just took this ridiculous photo of him one day (laughs) in his Speedo with these insane bike-lined hands.
3: Uh
2: And it just turned into a joke and a thing. And so someone at camp started a Twitter account called Pat Wheeler's Arms. And it's basically just Pat Wheeler's Arms just swearing at Jesse and everybody. Because Pat's like... Pat's one of those guys everybody loves him, but he's just kind of constantly grumbly and a little bit angry. Mm-hmm. But we all know he's like a really nice guy, so his like grumbling and anger we know is harmless. Yeah, and so it's just kind of amusing, you know. Yeah, um, and so we all get a kick out of that. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, there's there's nothing came out of camp that I could use in like a ten minute bit at the improv or anything like that. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. and uh, what about? Let's see, we got some
1: questions and, uh, from people mm-hmm. and uh, one of them was about AJ Balco wanted to ask you about nutrition. Is this a serious question or is he trying to mess with you?
2: Oh I, Well, I've been ripping on him the last week because he's on like the all-vegetable diet in an effort to cut some weight. Before. Oh, I
1: heard he's turned into a total fat ass lately, he said. <laughs> no, That's yeah. by his own admission. And then he I see did. a picture of him, and he's got, like, abs from his chin down to his kneecaps. Yeah, he's being dramatic. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't think so, dude. Yeah, I yeah. I think you're hashtag blessed a little bit there.
2: Yeah, that's – no, AJ, yeah. Uh, AJ likes speaking in uh, exaggerated phrases, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So he's in. He's into the eating the vegetables? Did he Did he eat too much cauliflower or, or broccoli? And Well, and
2: basically all I do is get texts about how much he has to go to the bathroom now. And how miserable he is! Oh yeah, only eating vegetables outside of training, yeah. um, and we, we kind of pick on him. But whatever. Um, oh, well, what did he ask about nutrition?
1: Well, he asked us on Twitter. He said, that, "See, I don't know if he's joking or not, right? Because y'all y'all were all just hanging out together for. for uh, you have to pardon my yalls too. I've been to Texas. Oh, been to oh, Texas too. Be
2: too yeah, cool. epic food challenges. Okay. Oh yeah, me... I get down on restaurant eating challenges. That's my jam. <laughs> Okay, um, so you're talking about like a eating contest stuff? Not necessarily contest. It's yeah. like you go into a restaurant and it's like, if you eat this, we'll give you it for free, that kind of a thing.
1: Oh, when he said epic food challenges, I'm like, you conquered diabetes or something like that. I don't know what in the world no, he was no, talking no, 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 about.
2: Okay, no, so... Nothing no, <laughs> serious.
1: So what's the, um, what's something, like I was listening to a podcast where a guy said that uh, one of the best things he's ever done most amazing things he ever did was eat like 140 chicken mcnuggets and the guy interviewing him said how in the world did you do that and he said he did it actually passively he didn't even know that he'd done it until he was until he did it because he was watching a football game and he loves chicken mcnuggets
2: see that's a little that see because that's stretched out over like four or five hours yeah not get me wrong that's a lot of chicken mcnuggets
1: that's a lot of chicken mcnuggets man yeah 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 um
2: No, so the first one, it was at the Texan Steakhouse in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Uh, They've since gone out of business, though, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was, I was, shoot, this was 1999, I want to say. And it was a five-pound steak with a baked potato and a side salad. And you had to do it in under an hour. Yeah. I polished that sucker off in about forty minutes, and then had some chocolate cake. Oh my god! Um, the five-pound steak is frigging huge, man. Yeah. How would you feel <laughs> after that? Uh, then we went back to my buddy's house and played video games, mm-hmm. uh, and then my friends wanted to go like out, you know, go, go to a bar, uh, bar or something like that, or go. We were nineteen; we couldn't get into bars, but the, you know, there's like the places you can get in when you're eighteen, mm-hmm. but they won't give you beer. They want to go to one of those kind of bars. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, guys, I can't go. So I just went in the bathroom and pulled the trigger, and like a good three pounds of meat just poured out of my body. And I was like, all right, we're good to go. Uh, so that was the five-pound steak. And then, That's so gross. <laughs> no, yeah. There was the, the Broken Yolk is this breakfast place in San Diego. Uh-huh. And this, this was, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Um, and it's, like, it's called the Broken Yolk Challenge, I think. Mm-hmm. And what it is is it's a pizza tray. It's like a 15 or an 18-inch pizza, tra- pizza tray, and they put it on it. They put a 12-egg omelet stuffed with cheese and mushrooms, and then they smother it with chili, and then they cover the rest of the tray with hash browns. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this thing is just piled a good inch and a half to two inches thick with Sounds eggs good. And hash I might be able to take on that one. And then they put these two biscuits on top. Each biscuit's like the size of a damn softball. Okay, this is starting Um, to get big.
1: Yeah.
2: And so I got through the eggs and hash browns relatively easily, maybe half an hour. Uh And then the the biscuits were just, oh my god, it was like, uh, it was the hardest thing I've ever done, like in terms of eating. Which I guess, in the grand scale of human suffering, doesn't get me a whole lot of sympathy. Yeah. Uh, But you know, I got to the point where I was, you know, just dunking the biscuits in water and yeah. pouring. And you know, I got it done, but I was a train wreck. And like, I just walked out to this, out to the parking lot, just kind of tipped over at the waist.
3: Uh-huh. You know,
2: I got my T-shirt, got my picture on the wall. There's like a plaque and stuff. And then I walked out to the parking lot, and like, I didn't even throw up. I just tipped over at the waist, and food just poured out of my throat into a garbage can oh weird. it was like that was by far the worst thing i've ever done to my body oh my
1: god uh, have you ever done uh heat uh as a food contest like hot peppers or no or chicken wings no, you know
2: that there, there's that wing king challenge here in boulder at the west end mm-hmm. and it's it's 50 wings which 50 wings no problem but the problem is they're like they're insanity hot death wings and yeah. like, i just don't to. i'm a volume guy i'm not a spice guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> So, yeah. <laughs> they have
1: they have a place here um, that has wings that are called like say, uh, waiver release wings or something like that. Uh, yeah, America. sounds about right. And yeah. um, I saw a couple of guys trying to eat. One guy was sitting with them while the other guy started eating them, and um, it uh, it he started almost convulsing from the heat. Oh yeah. And, and one time I and I'm pretty good. I like love sriracha sauce. I can eat some hot stuff and. But we ate some um, ghost pepper, some friends and I at work on a dare, tried to out-eat each other um, Mm -hmm. on ghost pepper chips. Yeah. And. That sounds uh, like a horrible, yeah. Yeah. And, but it was an ego thing. I take a chip, then she would take a chip. And I would take a chip, and then she would take a chip, right? And then we we realized our hair started tingling on the tops of our heads. <laughs> and it got really, really weird. Once you get past the heat, um, the it you can only get so hot. And then what actually, I think the, the plant's defense mechanism is it starts making you hallucinate a little bit.
2: Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: And there's a really great, you'd like this. There's a YouTube channel for LA Beast. Okay. And he's a guy that eats crazy stuff. And I can't believe you haven't seen this before. This guy is awesome. And, um, you know, like three bottles of Sriracha sauce or something. So uh, just like really gross, hot, nasty stuff. And he makes videos about it. One time his roommate walks in while he's doing it. And then his roommate goes, God damn it, are you doing that again? (laughs) (laughs) If when you start puking, you clean it up, you know. (laughs) But, yeah, um, he ate, he ate ghost chili, he ate like, uh, three or ten or something like that. Ghost chili peppers and started hallucinating and couldn't see. It was like making them blind and stuff. Oh, oh, that's, well, that's when you understand
2: sort of Simpsons.
1: Yeah. Well, it's We're
2: it's Homer.
1: yeah. Yeah. He has the he 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 has the vision quest thing. Yeah. Where, yeah. Space
2: coyote and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: It, it it gets really. I mean, believe me. You know, like it gets unbelievably hot. Oh. But sure. then weird stuff starts happening. Once 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 it can't get any hotter, then just like yeah. It, strange stuff and it's that you can tell that it's like that plant's defense mechanism it's like i'm gonna mess you up if you're gonna try to
2: eat me i actually you know? listen to my body and when i'm in extreme pain from eating a certain food i say oh maybe i should stop <laughs> uh, <laughs> <I'm not laughs> no i've never hallucinated for uh, stuff. these
1: guys see? there's there's this whole other level of food eating competitions um one of his videos, he eats a cactus and, um, Oh, that sounds like a t- And not cactus. like a prickly pear cactus, but like a cactus that's just covered in, f- and thorns. that's like fur, oh. you know, it's pretty oh. crazy. Um,
2: well, cactus can be, if you cook it,
1: um, Oh no, he's eating them raw. He's like, goes to Lowe's and buys a bunch of them and starts eating them. It's pretty crazy. I just
3: don't understand
2: that. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I'm anyway, <laughs> sure they don't, like do, right? Yeah. Don't
1: so, um, what do you, yeah. uh, for training? And you're a coach, right? People can get in touch with mm-hmm. you for coaching. Are you taking yeah. on anybody right now?
2: No. You're no, full up. Uh,
1: and what's it like living in Boulder? I heard, uh, yeah, Justin say he may, uh, try to go move out there to be around more of you guys.
2: Yeah. Well, yeah. So I just, I just filled out my athlete roster last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at a good spot right now. Yeah. Um, Boulder in and of itself is, is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, so I'm splitting a place with, you know, Kevin Collington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I split a place with him and whenever, his, so his girlfriend, Lindsay Jordanik, she races ITU. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever she's happens to be in the US, she'll, she'll stay with us. But, uh, you know, on the ITU circuit, specifically training with Darren Smith, she's all over the world all the time. So we, we don't see her that often. Um, honestly, I don't see Kevin that often either because we're both on the road so much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So we split a place in North Boulder. And it's great uh, because there are so many options for training partners. It's just endless. If you want someone to work out with, you're going to find them. And they're probably going to be faster than you. So you're going to get a high-quality session. And in terms of master's options, I mean, forget it. There's a master's session going on at all times of the day at one of the pools in town. Um, So you can get really high-quality swim work done. Uh, But that said, I'm an upstate New Yorker, and Ithaca is kind of my my home, Uh and my girlfriend lives in Ithaca, so I'm going back in about four weeks, Mm -hmm. and I'll be there all summer. I'll be in Ithaca from April through, I want to say, depending, either late August or early September. And then we'll make a call. Maybe we'll stay in Ithaca. Maybe we'll come back to Boulder. Maybe, you know, maybe move somewhere else. Kind of depends where she gets her job. Uh, but, anyways, I'll take training in Ithaca over training in Boulder any day. Oh. Uh, the only issue is that Ithaca, there's not very many people to train with. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everybody just kind of collectively decided that Boulder was the spot. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like open water swimming and trail running and road quality for biking, mm-hmm. I'll take Ithaca over Boulder any day of the week for sure. Oh wow! Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm excited to go back there. It's I, great.
1: I did um, I did uh, nationals, USAT nationals in Vermont on okay. Lake Champlain. Yeah, yeah. And it was beautiful. I absolutely loved yeah. it. It was so great. Same general idea. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah, great terrain, uh, great people. Everything's just wonderful up there. Loved it a lot. It's
2: cheap. It's like it's a good twenty or thirty percent cheaper than living in Boulder. Oh
1: yeah, yeah. Boulder's crazy expensive.
2: It's ridiculous.
1: So, um, on your bike, I got a question. I guess Mm -hmm. we could wrap up with this. I am trying to streamline the front end of my bike. Yeah. And what tips do you have? Like, how important is that to you? And like, do you do the thing where you bring your arms in as close to the bottle as you possibly can, and do you fill the space with a bottle? Or yeah. Um. And what kind of bottle do you use in there? And um, where do you keep your bike computer, for example?
2: And stuff um, like okay. that. Well, so I, I I should, if we're on the topic of bikes, I obviously have to talk about um. There was a little bit of, uh, you know, I was a little bit unsure about what was going on, but I st- I just got things straightened out with uh-huh. with a QR. Okay. So I'll be riding a, a QR uh, PR6 this year, and okay. I'm super pumped about that.
1: Yeah, those are beautiful bikes. I love I yeah, love the way great. they look. Just great.
2: Yeah, yeah, super clean, super simple. Basically, all they did was they took. You know, they took the the CDO one or the or wh- whoever you want to talk. I mean, a QR engineer hears me saying this, he's gonna punch me in my head. Yeah. But this is in my mind what they did. Yeah. Um, they integrated <laughs> the front end on that bike just to make it cleaner on the front end, uh-huh. and then they just simplified things so that you're not. If you want to adjust the brakes, it's you don't need like a bike mechanics degree to adjust the brakes or anything like that. Very easy to travel with. Very clean. Uh, nice lines. No nothing unnecessary. Um, you know, well thought out in terms of storage and all that stuff. So I'm jazzed. Uh, it should be arriving on Tuesday, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just going to build it up ASAP. Um, and are so you... what I'm doing on the front end, yeah. the... Well,
1: I was going to ask, what do you do with, what are you <laughs> going to do with the front brake? Are you going to be one of these guys that switches out the front with like a triomega or something like that? Or are you going to keep it? The, as yeah, a... yeah. So yeah, I was
2: about to get to, uh, I just ordered a bunch of stuff from TriRegan. Um, uh-huh. You can tell I actually like the products because they made me pay for them, and I'm yeah. still talking about them and promoting them. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the same way. Uh, so, I, yeah, I got the TriRig Omega for the front, um, and then I'm going to go with a Tri-Rig Alpha Base Bar. Uh, I really like, you know, it tests well in the, in the tunnel, and then I like it kind of has easily adjustable stack for the el- uh, elbow pad height. And then I'm going with the Tri-Rig Gamma Extensions up front. Uh, which are nice because they're kind of – they're they're the ski bend, but they're at a shallower angle, mm-hmm. and they're super long, and I need a long arrow bar because I have okay. long forearms. And every arrow bar I ride, it's just not long enough. My hands are hanging off the front. Um, so I'm doing that, and then for my bottle, I'm going to use – there's like a tri-rig mix uh, between the arrow bars mount. Um, and so I'm going to use that for the mount and then put this – I think it's speed. Yeah, it's speed fill.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Use that bottle cage with it has a little computer mount on the top of it. And oh so,
1: yeah, I know what you're talking about. So
2: yeah, yeah, super simple, super simple, and it's perfect. The the computer's right there in your face, easy to read, and it's a good storage spot for your bottle. And yeah, I get my arms right up on the bottle, and then with the the PR6, it has some nice cable routing, so I'll be able to have a really clean. Like, I'm going to do all sorts of pictures of the build after I build it up. Uh Uh, But I'll have nice, clean cable routing, uh, you know, right through the top tube and then down into wherever the the cable's got to go. And it should be a pretty slick build. I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited to get it. I'm
1: looking at the Speedfill bottle cage right now. That's pretty slick. I'd seen that before, but I haven't talked to anybody that had one.
2: Yeah, very simple. And, again, like, they don't pay me anything. I just bought it retail because I like it. It's good stuff.
1: Yeah, That's perfect. That's kind of what I've been looking for because it's up against the bottle where you've already disrupted the airflow anyway, so just get it right. tight up against the bottle.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then it's, it's between yeah, your it's arms
1: easy. where you can just look and see it. No big deal.
2: Yep. Super easy. Yeah. And then uh, like the, PR, the PR6, you can store the battery in the seat post, so that's completely hidden from the wind. Um, and I think, I think the only exposed cable that I'll have on the bike will be the cable running down to my front brake. Uh, which I'm okay with you know yeah uh, look at guys winning races and plenty of them have that yeah. exposed front cable yeah it's not that big running of down are. to the front <laughs> yeah so I think I'll be okay um you know? I
1: don't know if it's legal to do this I I kind of think it is I did it one year in Arman, Texas and then I kind of gave up on it as um because I remember John Cobb uh, this was years ago saying mm-hmm. uh, on exposed cables take a piece of uh, electrical tape and wrap it around it uh, so like kind of wide electrical tape, and then yeah. create a trailing edge off the cable. Yeah, and that uh, reduces. Uh, turbulence. So you kind turn it
2: into an airfoil.
1: Yeah, it turns it into. It's just a tiny bit of tape, and it um, reduces uh, turbulence a ton coming off of it. It straightens really? out the air airflow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I did yeah, it I'll too. I had a bike that had more cables on it than I do now, and then uh, yeah, I checked it into Ironman uh, Texas. <laughs> They're gonna be like, take all that crap off, but it was black and the cables were black and no one really noticed. And I was like, I guess it's not illegal. I don't know what's going on here.
2: No, I, I, I don't see why it would be illegal. I mean, and it's pretty triathlon bikes. It's pretty much wild west. Yeah, you know, anything goes really. And if John Cobb says it, I'll, I'll do it. He knows what he's talking well, about. Well, it makes
1: total sense, right? And yeah. even though yeah. it's totally flat and it's super thin, it just keeps the air from. From spinning coming off of it. It just straightens it out.
2: Yeah. Yeah, smooths out the airflow. No, yeah, sure. What the hell? Uh, He makes awesome saddles. Yeah. And he knows how to fit people on bikes. So he probably knows a couple things about aerodynamics. He might know
1: a thing or two. I think. (laughs)
2: Yeah, yeah. 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 Why not? One cable, give it a shot. Uh
1: Okay. So um, uh, I guess the last question is um, oh, we got a couple more. Wait. Let's see. Uh, Oh, it's AJ Balco again. He's managed to get himself on both, both of these last shows without being on the show.
2: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love giving him shit. The brand. (laughs) Yeah. He's
1: awesome. okay. So, uh, I I interviewed him a few months ago. It was so much fun. Uh, Uh, let's see. Um, advice for age groupers about overcoming adversity and still preparing for race season, uh, because you trained through that cancer scare. So I guess we kind of already talked about that, about like, uh, uh, focusing on your bike and on, while running, you can kind of focus on yourself and.
2: Yeah, well, it applies, you know, and it, it, it's advice that I've given to my athletes when they're dealing with, you know, a breakup or or, or some any any sort of life stress that stress situation that like is kind of dragging you down.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, you you look at your workouts, and that's the one thing you can control, and that's the one area where you can really. You know, for lack of a better term, if other things in life are going shitty, like you can feel good about yourself. Yeah. You have a good workout. You're like, yeah, you know, I'm in still I'm still in control of some of these things, yeah. um, and it just kind of helps your general outlook, your general self-esteem. And then on the flip side, like you go into a workout. Say you feel bad about something, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever it is, if you let that go into your workout and affect your workout in a negative manner, well, then you're just going to be in in an even more negative mindset.
3: Ah, Yeah, that's true.
2: (laughs) Because not only do you feel bad about this thing in your life, but you feel bad about the workout. And then it just turns into this horrible downward spiral. And then you just end up sitting on the couch watching TV and yelling at your wife that you're too tired or something. You know, something stupid like that. Um, So it's just the idea of control what you can control. And, you know, there's this crap that happens, but... Uh, you deal with it the best way you can, but when you have a chance, to do something positive. Do something positive. It'll yeah. make you feel yeah. better, I guess. So, I don't know. No. so,
1: Torsten Rad, do you know who Torsten Rad is?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I like him. Okay, okay. Yeah.
1: he's wanting to know if uh, how long, how far along are you <laughs> to becoming the next? And I can't say I can't say this guy's name. I know exactly who he is, but yeah. Mac, Ma- 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 uh, 12- Mike, Mac, Twelve Psych
2: mikey twelzey
1: mikey twelzey
2: yeah 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 i was married to to,
1: um hillary biscay
2: yeah i was talking to uh, to torsten a couple months ago and he was asking me a general plan for the season Uh and you know i told him it was about last year i was racing i was just too skinny i kept trying to basically i kept trying to look like one of the raylor brothers and just skeletor yeah, it just wasn't happening. Yeah, uh, you know he looks I good skinny. racing though,
1: man. You you think that if you could get that skinny, you would be great. But, but he is the, skinny. Yeah,
2: yeah. It just made me so weak yeah. and so and it, you know on top of that, it just made me resent the sport. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not going to have good workouts and good races, if the number one thought in your mind is like, oh, god damn, this is so stupid. I wish I could eat some ribs, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> All uh, you're thinking about
1: is ribs.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love ribs. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So me and my coach talked about it over the winter, uh, Tim and I, and we were just like, yeah, screw it. Let's just put on 10 pounds and see how many watts you can put out on the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I was talking about with the whole Mikey Trawsey thing. Like, mm-hmm. instead of shying away and trying to be skinny... Just play up the fact that you're a bigger guy, put on weight, and try to put out some serious watts on the bike. You know, yeah. um, And but, it seems to work pretty well for Mike. He's, he's had himself a nice career.
1: Yeah, so. and um, you look at, uh, let's see, Andrew Starkowitz, Wicks yeah. is a big dude. And it worked then, well for
2: Simbali back in the day. It worked well for Matty Reed. yeah. And, you know, Potts Potts has gotten kind of a little skinnier now, but traditionally he's been kind of a yeah. bigger, stronger, more muscular guy, you know?
1: And then um who was oh, I was watching uh, Challenge Bahrain, uh uh-huh. on the trainer. Yeah. And Danielle uh, uh Reef. Uh-huh. She's running along and I'm like that girl was not skinny. Like she she is like ideal body weight, just like I don't know, whatever yeah. body fat percentage. But you wouldn't look at her and think that she's uh, any more super athletic than just an average af- athletic person? Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And yeah, she totally. freaking won that thing against, you know, uh, Hella Fredrickson and yeah. other like super skinny, strong chicks. And yeah. um, and she was just run- she was charging along, looking like a totally normal body fat person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think people get too wrapped up in body fat because it's yeah. very visual and easy to see. Um, whereas you don't see the fact of getting that skinny puts you in a negative mindset because you're depriving yourself of food or it actually does have negative physical effects but yeah. inhibiting strength or you know maybe you're not getting enough nutrients for this or that yeah. um, and so sure if you can get you know lean like a like one of the Rayler brothers and still be strong and healthy then sure go for it but I mean that's like, that's the icing on the cake, mm-hmm. you know. The cake is being strong and healthy. That's 98% of your speed. It's just coming from being strong and healthy.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I think a classic example of that is like, you uh, think maybe the best example of that is someone like a Jody Swallow. Yeah. Uh, where she used to struggle with eating disorders, and then finally one day she was fed up with it. She said, "Screw it! I'm just going to be me." And yeah. now she's arguably the best. All-around triathlete on the planet, you yeah. know, across all distances. Um, you know, that's a great example for that. And she or... came in.
1: She came in uh three minutes or a minute or I don't know. It was a ridiculously close race yeah. at Bahrain. Yeah. You know, to be that fast is yeah. just nuts. And yeah, you know what? That was a really good example of three different body types in there that are um, that were all they're all ridiculously fast. And I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hella is like super skinny, but I think she's not trying to be skinny. I think she just is. She's yeah, she's talked about that herself, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, you could just just be be just eat. <laughs> yeah, I no, I completely agree with you. Yeah, and they were all within like a couple as, minutes of each other.
2: Yeah, as long as you're not one extreme or the other. Yeah. Like as long as your BMI isn't like 19 or like 28, mm-hmm. then just roll with it. Yeah. Um, and if you can shave a couple pounds before the race sure go ahead and do it but don't don't make it your priority i don't think you yeah.
1: know yeah. I've, I've done that i've you know focused on losing weight and it immediately impacts your training like oh, it's sure. horrible yeah, yeah. you got to kind of like let it happen just kind of by itself and yep, exactly and not really focus on it too much
2: um and actually though along those lines since i was focused so much at camp on mm. not losing weight and not becoming skinny mm. Like for lack of a better term, I was just I was eating like an asshole at training camp every <laughs> night. Just we we're there's this Italian restaurant in Claremont we uh-huh. love called Corelli's. Uh-huh. We were going there three nights a week and chicken parm pizza. I bet
1: you they love a group of triathletes coming in. Oh yeah,
2: yeah, you know meatball parm subs. Uh, you know we're going to Chipotle. We're going to this and that. Oh yeah, extra cheese please, everything. Uh, and I was just incredibly happy for all of camp. And I think a lot of it's because like I was actually. Mm -hmm. Giving my body what it needed instead of being like, no, no, I got to get down to 170 pounds. Oh,
1: yeah. Depriving yourself is a sure way to turn into a jerk.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I was happy as a clam all camp. And then
1: that gives you better training, which probably in the end burns just as many calories as if you were trying to
2: skinny up anyway. Well, exactly. And it triggers more training adaptations because you're in a better mindset when you're training. Yeah. So you go harder when you're training. So you stress your muscles more and it ends up being a better workout, you know. awesome
1: man that's cool yeah
2: yeah Yeah. so anyways we've rambled enough eh
1: yeah yeah well i i I gotta get some coaching done too and then i'm gonna go for a run but um yeah one thing i started doing was i added in more fat into my diet oh yeah and wow it's awesome i love it yeah it's fun it's easy to do and it's a lot of calories really simply and it makes you feel fuller and um And then it helps you a little bit with burning fat, you know, like body just gets kind of used to it a little bit Mm -hmm. and then, Mm -hmm. uh, not too, not, but I've learned not to try too hard, just kind of little touches kind of here and there and, uh, cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, hopefully we can have you on the show again someday.
2: Right on. After I win win my next big race. Yeah. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) Win a race. So we have a, a good excuse to have you back on the show again we have you oh, on anyway. Open
2: it's just a question of whether it's a race people are paying attention. <laughs> well, I
1: saw you've got your you've got your race uh results up and there's this one race where you go in and just demolish everybody. Um Oh, I don't know about that. Let's see what is it. But it's a, but it's it looks like a smaller race. Let's see uh what was it? Um I was like, man, I'm not going to show up to this race. This guy's going to kill me. Um and you've won it like several times, I think.
2: Oh, I've won won Cayuga Lake.
1: Yeah, Cayuga Lake.
2: Now, where is that? That's in Ithaca. And that's, far none, my favorite race course on the planet. Yeah. It's just a spectacular race course. And my girlfriend's best friend is the race director. So, like, I like participating just because I like my girlfriend's best friend, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, So, it's fun just to support her race. Mm -hmm. And then it's local. And Yeah, you've won (laughs) it three times. Twice. Twice. Twice have i won it no i haven't won it three times yeah, I think I've three, won it like
1: 2012 this. 2013 and
2: 2014 no did i win? Really? no <laughs> oh I didn't wait race. no you won muscle man yeah 2013 i won muscle man which yeah. is another great local race up in yeah. upstate new york yeah. yeah
1: that's cool man yeah
2: awesome. i love racing local upstate yeah it's my, it's my jam
1: i do that too i like to race my wife's like why don't we go do race whatever i'm like because it's too expensive and race here yeah. and support uh texas races yeah, exactly. i'd love challenge to bring some races here to texas there's not a single not the, i don't think a challenge race in texas and yeah. texas has as many or more registered triathletes in the state than california or something like that it's the most yeah. populous um race or uh registered triathletes in the united states
2: yeah they'll come up with something
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> i think mm-hmm. they're eyeballing it yeah, yeah. Cool, man. Well, thanks for being on the show. And um, if people want to get in touch with you, uh, how do they? How do they find you online?
2: Uh, Just dmactry.com. And then also, can I give a plug? Uh, Me and uh, me and some of my friends are running a training camp in Ithaca. Uh, for age groupers, I mean, pros can show up if they want. Sure, uh, over Fourth of July weekend, oh, we figured Fourth nice. of July weekend would be good. You know, people getting ready for late summer racing, and then also it's easy to get time off work then.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, so July second through fifth, it's just called uh, Finger Lakes Triathlon Training Camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a website up. We have a good staff of uh, speakers and coaches. So totally like like that. Yeah. And yeah, I'm at dmactry.com and. Twitter is DMAC Try and tr- try to keep all the, all the web addresses the same. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Keep it simple.
1: Yeah, so, a brand is what I've learned. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, a
2: real brand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My multi-thousand dollar brand. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, cool. All right. All right. Well, uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah,
1: thanks. Bye. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thank you very much, Doug, for the awesome interview. And I just saw on Twitter that he and AJ Balco are training together on rollers. (laughs) And he was teasing them for his swim style and uh, stuff like that. So I guess they're both in Boulder and getting their training on. Looks pretty cool. All right. Oh, and I've been talking to uh, Angela Nath. And we might have her on after California 70.3. And you may be asking yourself, why does it take... Zen try so long to put out a new show, and I'll tell you why. Because it's driving me freaking crazy. Is that training for an Ironman sucks up all of your free time, and the finish, the finish line, the finish shoot for an Ironman ought to be renamed to the uh, Parade of the Selfish. <laughs> it is insane how much time this training takes. Uh, you can get by with. Um, you know, with a not very good finish, with a minimal amount of training, but, you know, if you want to be competitive at this thing, it's it's a monster. Anyway, so that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why, that's why it takes so freaking long. It's killing me. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the emails and questions, and a little bit I've kind of covered in the uh, training log coming up, and then then we'll get to um, uh, z- uh, Zip, Zip, Uh, return to center shifters and disc wheel covers and power taps. No, we already talked about power taps. But anyway, we'll talk about all kinds of cool stuff. And uh, let's see. We should mention that this interview that you just heard was brought to you by Amphibian Multisport and Sound Probiotics and also my main gluten sponsor, New Republic Brewery. Go check them out. But Amphibian Multisport is the triathlon training shop in, uh, Libertyville, Chicagoland area, just north of Chicago. And it is awesome. You ought to go check it out. They got copy trainers. They've got a pool. You can, uh, go in. Well, and is it an endless pool or was it a one lane? I forgot. I got to look at the picture again, but go check them out. Amphibianmultisport.com. Not amphipod, like I was saying on previous episodes, which they emailed me and reminded me (laughs) Kindly. It is amphibianmultisport.com. And if you're in the Chicago area, go check them out. Um, you can bring in your own bike. They have a $25 a day drop-in rate. And if you are active military, firefighter, or police, then it's only 100 bucks a month for membership. No contract memberships. So that's what I like about places. Uh, i got to, you got to quit a club, you know? And they're like, well, you're to, gotta... Oh, gold's gym. Remember gold's gym. Jeez. Well, we've, you try to tell them that you're moving and they're like, well, we found that there's another gold's gym, uh, within 20 miles. It's like, who's going to drive 20 miles to go work out? <laughs> and Oh my God. Anyway. Uh, So check them out when you're in the Chicago area or if you live in the Chicago area. And gosh, I need to get up there to go visit my brother and uh, swing by there. It'd be super cool. All right. And then sound probiotics. Every day I take a sound probiotics pill and it is super, super easy to take. And it helps produce, it helps feed and get started proper gut, gut flora going on in your intestines and in your stomach and that your body is actually a whole lot of it a huge percentage I think it's like 70% of your body or something like that well anyway is uh, bacteria and um, healthy bacteria keep you from getting sick it helps your immune system uh, stay healthy and you know the number one way to get really good at endurance sports it's consistency it's always consistency. Do you know what ruins consistency? Getting sick. So take sound probiotics and you will qualify for Kona in six months. They will have Kona six months early just for you because you'll be so good. Okay, but not really. But sound probiotics is pretty great stuff and I've been taking it and I have not gotten sick since I've started taking it and... I would have to fake being sick to uh, get a sick day at work, and I can tell you tell you at my office over this past winter, people with the flu and stuff like that. You know, um, we send an email out at my work whenever somebody can't come in, uh, just to be friendly, you know, so you don't wander around the hallways looking for somebody. Um, Sally's out sick. Bill is out sick. You know, you know who never is mentioned in one of these emails? Brett, in spite of going out. And being in the cold, wet, training my ass off out there and eating freaky food, I am... Oh, speaking of freaky food, I just interviewed Rich Roll the other day. Yesterday? Yesterday. And he'll be on the show soon, too. So look forward to that. That was... Man, talk to Rich Roll. It just makes everything seem all right. All right. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Anyway, then, uh, yeah, Sound Probiotics, man. And you can get 10% off with Qcon... Qcon... coupon code Zentry, all caps all one word Zentry. check them out and their biggest news is they've signed uh, two Olympians uh, Maddie Boom Boom Reed and mountain biker Sam Schultz who's on team Canada and they wanted me to mention that so that you know that other smart people are using them too sound probiotics 10% off coupon code ZENTRI and if you use that then they'll keep sponsoring the show because they know that you're coming from here it's pretty cool all right let's answer some emails and read some donations so you can donate to the show on the left side and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a second uh, once you get jealous of all these people and their cool names being reading, being read on the show reading and uh <laughs> and you're like man i want my name read on the show this is how you do it but anyway james godek donated to the show. Longtime donor. Thank you, James. And Charles Helling, who might have the coolest last name, Helling. What is that? Where does that come from? Uh, sent in a donation and a question about wheel covers. Brett, hope things are good with you. It's been record snowfall up here. Can't wait for spring. Quick question. I remember hearing you talk about your disc wheel cover a while back. What was the name of that? I talk about that in the, um, in the training log coming up here in a minute, but uh it's wheelbuilders.com and the product is called an aero jacket. Um uh, A-E-R-O. Uh what is the name of that? I have a Quintana Roo. I used to have one of those. That's a nice bike. Uh that's over 10 years old with 650 C wheels. Those are the little bit smaller wheels. Um this is my only my second year racing focusing on sprint and Ollie distance. Would you recommend the covers for me? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Yeah, uh, super cheap way to make your bike look freaking cool, and they can make those wheel covers in any size. Kai was riding a 24-inch wheel bike, a Fuji Ace, for little kids, and I called them up, and they made the wheel cover for like $80, $90 Um, because it's just a sheet of plastic, and uh, it's, it's really cool with rivets, plastic rivets. And it's super easy to do, and there is no better way to make your bike look super cool. All right, and that was Charles Helling. And he is the uh, anti-Christ of uh, Morgan Christian. If your last name is Christian, and you get together with somebody whose last name is Helling, then what happens? There's a, <coughs> dogs and cats living together. <laughs> Mass hysteria. <laughs> anyway, uh, John Burns donated to the show. Thank you, John. Todd Nelson. Matt Heinz. Hey, how's it going, dude? Uh, Brian Kemper. Kim. Thanks very much, Brett. She wrote a a letter. Thanks very much, Brett. Looking forward to trying the Hornet juice. And really enjoying your podcast and learning so much. I'm looking forward to my first try. Oh, you haven't even done a triathlon yet. Cool. Um, You'll have fun. So all the inspiration and education is much appreciated. Best wishes, Kim. Hey, on your first race, um, just set your goal to go a lot slower than you think you need to. So this is un, unwarranted um, advice, unasked advice. Go a little bit slower than you think you need to because while you're training for a triathlon, you're doing the things individually. When you string them all together, people forget that it's like uh, that it's a lot harder because it's a lot longer because you've strung all the things together. And if your first triathlon is a sprint triathlon, you can easily uh, do a sprint triathlon in training very easily, and you finish it and just finish it, um, going just at a very casual pace. And then, you know, what it'll feel like. And then go, then when you go do the race one, you, you'll know that you'll be able to finish and you can go a little bit faster. Um, that's what Emily did for her first, we called it the Emily, Emily's personal triathlon, the EPT. (laughs) Oh God, that was so much fun. Um, Richard Stewart donated to the show, Jonathan Woodman, Connor Sanders, William Beck, and in a nice little note. Hi, Brett. Enjoy the show. Wish we had a Freebirds here. Doing great. Oh, by the way, Freebirds just added um, tempeh, uh, uh, soybean meat dish thing uh, with a little bit of squash and stuff mixed in. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Doing great in Charlotte. Like you, I'm gearing up for a Half Iron Man in May. I'm doing Galveston. And I am and I am Iron Man in July. That's a lot like my schedule. I will race with the Hornet Juice and you can for some fuel. Good job. Um the spring weather is a clear signal to move outside for long distance training. Yes, definitely. And then uh Hun Chu and Grant Bowshirt. I coach Hun Chu. He's awesome. He's very particular in like the coolest way. It's really neat. Just had a nice email exchange with him going over philosophy stuff. It's nice. And that's all of our uh, donations for the show. If you listen to these donations and you're getting like, man, what would it sound what would it sound like for Brett to say my name on the show so I could play it for my spouse and my spouse to look at me like I'm insane? Like, why is this important to you? And then uh play it and replay it and replay it over and over again. I can tell you how. You go to the left side of zentriathlon.com, zentriathlon, not triathlon, but zentriathlon.com, and there's a PayPal donation link on the left hand side. You can create a recurring donation or you can do a one time donation. Either way is awesome. And the recurring is about a dollar an episode. So that's pretty cool. It's it's $3.95 a month. And yeah. And then on the right-hand side of the show, you can order Hornet juice. And if you order Hornet juice, right, right-hand right side of the page, uh, you can scroll down and there's a link to Hornet juice. If you order Hornet juice, then I send you a personal email with a thank you and how's it going? Uh, I, I give your, uh, your, your email box a little, how's your father? <laughs> I loved Austin Powers. That was such a good movie. Anyway. That's about it for the emails and stuff. We need to get into the training log. I've got a lot of stuff going on in there. Let me make sure we haven't missed any sponsors. Nope, I think we're all good. We're all good. All right. Um, let's see what else has happened between, uh, between the beginning of the show news and everything else. Yeah, Rich Roll coming up on another show. Angela Nath possibly on another show. John Hirsch on another show. And trying to think I think I may have left somebody out but it'll all it'll all come together okay so hang tight let's do the training log here we go
0: you are entering the centrite training log zone hi
2: everybody my name is Brett I'm a
1: tragedy I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my
0: status but Joe we've been friends for years Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! I'm gonna do sit ups till I poop myself!
1: Welcome to a new training log! Start date, March 17th, 2015. I'm on my way to W to the ERK. Uh, Stuck in light traffic. Uh, Let's see, lots of cool stuff. I'm gonna talk about the best upgrades to your Trafon bike that are they'll make your biking just awesome and make you want to bike more and also let's see justin metzler just posted his race report from puerto rico where he got seventh so go check that out and there was something else oh i'm listening to a really cool audiobook called work the system i have never listened to an audiobook that has rung true with me so much about a mix of getting stuff done and checking in with reality and just everything. It's really, really cool. And the simplicity of the rewards of just doing the work plainly and and the feedback you get. This guy's life was a mess before he realized everything is a system and Uh, You just check the boxes on the system and you document it and look for ways uh, to... Well, you you document each system and then you just go through the steps. And fixing every little system uh, one at a time starts reaping huge rewards. And I've been putting it in the practice and it's amazing, the results. So definitely go check it out. It's a a, a website, workthesystem.com. The guy is so successful that he just put the book out pretty much for free. Um, Because he doesn't need the money anyway. And um, you got to go check it out. I'm loving it. I'm I'm feeling like I'm going to listen to this book repeatedly and try to do the stuff that it says in it. Okay. um, The best upgrades for your bike are, I'll go through uh, the list real quick in case you already have one. uh, CG's Elbow Pads. These are uh, armrests on your bike, you know, so you can get into the aero position that are super cushy. Um, They probably weigh the same as as any other ones. They make uh, pavement of any surface type feel uh, like it just disappears. Like chip seal, bumps, rough road, everything is just cushy. And it makes your riding so much more comfortable. It's like off the charts, how much more comfortable it makes riding. Um, so we'll talk about that. And then, um, uh, zip or SRAM return to center shifters, which, um, will make your bike feel like electronic shifting for a third of the price and no batteries. And, uh, they're crazy good. And a uh, wheel cover for your rear rear wheel, which will make it look like you have a disc wheel costs like 80 bucks and it makes it look like you have a disc wheel and you can remove it if you want for whatever reason and you retain the ride quality of a spoked wheel which actually has a superior ride quality a lot of people say so all around a a disc wheel costs like two thousand dollars and or more and this thing is gives you all the aerodynamic effects and it makes you feel awesome while riding your bike and i think there's something else so um those things will change your riding forever. and I th- Yeah, I think there's something else but I'll get to it in a second while well, I'm not trying to focus. Okay, the um, CG's pads. So when you ride on your bike you eventually wear down the, um, the elbow pads, the forearm rest pads that are on your bike. And they may be uh, pretty good at first, but after a while they get thin and the road just gets painful out there riding and Um, it's huge in cycling to first take care of your contact points. That'd be your crotch, your feet, you know, like the balls of your feet, not the balls of your crotch. (laughs) And then, um, uh, so like the angle of your feet and the pedals and such, and then your um, hands, where your hands contact. And if you're in the arrow position, then it's it's your forearm slash under your elbow, kind of. So I heard about these and invested in them and they cost oh i don't even know uh like 20 30 or something like that they don't cost that much um they install super easily you know that's that's not the point the point is is they're a little bit thicker and they're made out of this um neoprene type material um that just never seem. I've been riding with them for like two years or something like that. They they just never seem to go flat or you know wear out. They are just so so soft. They're awesome, and um, I didn't realize how rough the roads are around here where I ride because it doesn't bother me because I got these elbow pads and. Um, when King of Pain on Twitter came up to do the Iron Baby last year and we were riding around, he was like, oh my God, dude, these roads are so rough or whatever, you know. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I felt his elbow pads and I'm like, oh my Jesus. <laughs> I know why, dude. You're riding around on uh, razor blades cutting into your elbows, man. This is not cool, dude. Check these out. And then he felt mine and he was like, holy cow, that's amazing. And they're so, they're super cheap. And as much time as you should spend on the bike uh, to get better at triathlon. Triathlon mostly a bike ride with a little bit of a swim warm-up and a jog afterwards. The most amount of time in triathlon you're going to spend is on the bike. So <clears throat> you will go faster if you're in the aero position. You can spend more time in the aero position if you're comfortable. You can be more comfortable in the aero position if you get these elbow pads so the biggest bang for your buck, and they cost like $20, $30 in triathlon. Um, oh, and then uh, the longer you ride, um, the little things start irritating you and start making you miserable. And this gets rid of that. And um, so the biggest bang for your buck in the entire sport might be these pads, and they're called CGs C E E G E E, CGs. They are amazing, absolutely amazing. All right, I gotta go in to the orifice, I mean the office, and I'll be back in a second with, uh, what should we cover next, the return to center shifters? Um, No, we'll do the wheel cover, okay. Hold on. All right, I am back, just went swimming. There's nothing that'll get you out of the pool faster than uh, swimming early in the morning so in an outdoor pool so it's nice and dark. And then uh, you get a little light sprinkling of rain across your back. And you notice while you're uh, swimming that the rain is really cold compared to what you would think it would feel like. And also, before you got in the pool on the radio, you heard that there's uh, gonna be thunderstorms and chances of hail. Hail! Today. So you're swimming in the pool. And we have a lightning detector system at the high school nearby. So it's supposed to go off if there's a static charge in the in the air. It's pretty cool. And it sounds an alarm. You can hear it for miles around. And uh, anyway, I'm swimming. And I'm about 55 minutes into an hour swim. So I'm cruising along, finishing up strong. And then just... Everything around me lights up like a camera flash in my face. And I stood up in the water because it's like four feet, three feet deep where I'm at. And I look at the lifeguard and I go, was that lightning? And he said, yep. And he's getting down off the chair. And I said, I'm out. I am out of here. Uh, I mention the shows all the time. I used to be a lifeguard. And Man, when there's lightning just anywhere in the area, you shut that pool down and get away from the water, and then to have it just light up everything around you, and as I was talking to the lifeguard, we heard the boom, so it was about, that was a couple miles away. But uh, not only do you get out of the pool, but you get out of the pool and you get the hell away from the pool, you get away, get your wet body away from the big the big puddle of wet, the is going to uh, turn into a giant conductor when lightning hits. Hey, you can hear I'm driving and it's raining now. A uh, nice little storm blowing through. I got the day off today. I'm going to spend it with Kai. Uh, not going to do stuff outdoors, apparently, with all this uh, rain. But we'll do something. Uh, we'll do something really cool. Freebirds wants Kai to come by and say hi because they like him because he's... Uh, he's one is, or got second in this little 5K, and then uh, all kinds of stuff like that. I'm always bragging on. Him. And then uh, Freebirds is the burrito shop, my uh, my burrito sponsor. That's how you know you've reached uh, your pinnacle in life is when you have a burrito sponsor. Anyway, um, we're gonna talk about the wheel builder wheel. So uh, one time, uh, many years ago, I was considering buying a disc wheel, although I have a zip uh, rear. Uh, 808 rear, which is plenty good, but somewhere, somehow, I heard about getting a wheel cover as a disc to turn your rear wheel into a disc wheel, and I was trying to uh, get every second I could out of Ironman Texas, out of the bike time, and um, I don't know, it's like 30 seconds to a minute, right, with a wheel cover, I'm guessing. It's not that much, but it's something. And it's super, super cheap. It's 80 bucks uh, to get one. And uh, wheelbuilders.com has has a website where you can tell them what kind of wheel you have, and they will send you a wheel cover that matches. It's called an Aero Jacket, A-E-R-O, Aero Jacket. And it clips the fasteners to your wheel And then you can have a disc wheel on the back um, that also can turn back into a regular wheel. If, let's say, you want to do a race where it's super, super windy and you want to take that disc off, then um, uh, you still got your rear wheel. And my rear wheel wheel has a um, power tap in it, right? So I want to use that wheel all the time. So sometimes it's a disc and sometimes it's not, is what was my theory. So I buy it, I put it on, And it looks super cool. It totally changes the way your bike looks. It is amazing looking. It is rad. And then um, the other thing that's cool is a lot of people say that the ride quality of a spoked wheel is better than a disc wheel anyway. Like a solid disc wheel. That, wow, it is windy. I'm looking at a flag blowing. Just popped out. One of these big flags too. Um, The, uh... The spokes uh, absorb, and the rim absorbs road vibration nicely, so it's a a little bit of suspension that's in there, and if you have a real disc wheel, it's so rigid that uh, it can fatigue you over time uh, because of the chatter. Uh, So, there's that and so I was like okay so for 80 bucks I get to keep my ride quality and I get to save 30 seconds on or maybe it's more you know on an Ironman bike and plus it looks cool and uh, so this is a really cheap upgrade but what I didn't realize is, is once I put it on my bike I never took it off because it looks that cool and it changes your it, it does a psychological trick on you um, once you get used to it, um, you realize how much people judge you by that disc wheel they automatically think that you're awesome because you have you, you should be awesome to have that disc wheel right And then you can just play it down you say nah I mean it's just a, it's just 80 bucks you know it's a little it's a little wheel cover. Um, you can get it you tell them where they can go get it and uh, it's super super motivational and makes you just love your bike even more and the thing is is i need to get another one because i've worn mine for two three years now without ever taking it off and there's this weird mindset that some people say you only put it on for races or whatever well i wouldn't do that i just left it on because um Because of the psychological effect it has on you. And then you're you're taking something off and on and off and on, you know. I mean, it's just like, blah. who cares? Just leave it on. And, um... It... uh, The other thing is, is it'll uh, slowly break apart over the years, you know. Because of, uh... It's plastic. It's thin plastic. Um, So, it'll eventually kind of self-destruct and that's also not entirely true <clears throat> mine is starting to self-destruct but that's after two three years of riding with it you know however many thousands of miles a year um, non-stop without ever taking it off and traveling with it and stuff like that so um, that is the Aero jacket by wheelbuilders.com and it is super duper cool and i highly recommend it all right i need to get my brain together And let y'all go because I've got things to do at the His House and all kinds of cool stuff. All right, out, bang. Hmm. All right, I'm in the Zentri Mobile Studios with uh, my co-host here, Kai. What's up? What's up? (laughs) Let's talk about our trip to the bike store yesterday.
0: First, I love these Twinsles that I got here.
1: You got pencils?
0: Yeah, pencils.
1: You went from wanting like a $40 knife to two pencil. $0.70 cent pencils. Exactly. It looks like You're so... Oh, it does look like Mommy. She almost Especially looks as goofy as Mommy. Especially oh, she Mommy, when, she, when Mommy runs, it looks like She's. you better run from her.
0: Exactly. What was that? The
1: guy next to her. Uh, unloading mulch. Okay, listen, people are listening to the podcast, so we gotta talk. What's up? <laughs> anyway. What did we get for you at the bike store yesterday?
0: Um What
1: is it called? Bike gloves.
0: Bike gloves.
1: Uh saddle bag?
0: Saddlebag.
1: CO2 cartridge?
0: CO2 CO two cartridge.
1: Uh and the CO2 cartridge valve thing for CO2.
0: Valve
1: thing for for reinflating tires, and I got myself a ridiculously expensive Sotero, uh, the um, specialized brand Sotero bike seat, because I th- I'm looking for a better saddle, and it I'm probably going to take it back. I asked if I could take it back if I didn't like it, and they said yeah, and. Why are you going to bring it back? Um, Well, say that again?
0: Why are you going to bring it back?
1: Well, the rails on the underside don't allow it... They're not long enough, so they don't allow it to go as far forward as I'd like. And because now I'm not as far forward as I I would like, I'm having to create a long bridge with my back, and then it makes my lower to mid-back kind of hurt a little bit.
0: Um, How long is that bridge?
1: It's too long, is what it is. And... You can tell because after about 45 minutes on the trainer, it starts to hurt. So just imagine five hours on the bike in an Ironman, right? It's uh, not going to go well. And the last two Ironmans I've done, I had my bike position so great that my back never, ever hurt even the tiniest bit. And I don't want to lose that. So, um and then what was the other thing? Sitting up on it is terrible. Like when you're in position, it's fine. But when you sit up, there is nothing correct to actually sit on. So I think I'm going to take it back, Kai. That's great. And we got you all this stuff yesterday oh. because you um, you're becoming a road you're becoming a roadie, right? And that's when you ride your road bike a lot. You're looking at me like I'm crazy. That's what they call it. (laughs) Are are you angry?
0: No, I'm not in a rodeo, though, so.
1: (laughs) It's not rodeo. It's just a roadie is what it's called because you ride on the roads a lot. And then uh, Kai just disappeared yesterday afternoon for like two hours out riding around. Oh, and then the other day, Kai managed to do something that I've never, ever seen before done on his... Uh, he's got a Huffy Green Machine, which is like this recumbent oh, God. bike. It's super low-slung, and it's got two wheels in the back, so it's like impossible to flip. But what happened?
0: I flipped. You were trying to make me do, do a flip, so I wouldn't be blaming me.
1: So I'm like, Kai... Because it spins out real easily, and that's the whole point of the thing. It's supposed to be fun. to spin. when
0: you spin out, you're going so hard, and then you stop because you're all the way turned around, and you start going back. Like, the front wheel starts going backwards, and that's your wheel that you're trying to make go forward.
1: So I go, Kai, when you spin out, keep pedaling hard. It's
0: hard to.
1: And then, yeah, so Kai's like, I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't can't do it. I haven't got the power. Ah, oh, you got the power if you it. funny. Dad, it's and, like impossible. Too. And then so he goes, "Okay, Dad." Finally, and so you finally, real. I spend like ten minutes, and I'm I'm out in the street with a beer in my hand, which is the way, um, you know, lots of great things happen.
0: Texans
1: do it. what? Texans do it. <laughs>
0: not, I don't do it And,
1: and uh, so Kai finally, I convince him. To, to keep paddling hard as he spins. Eddie, so he paddling, He gets into a spin, right? Yes. And then as he keeps paddling, the whole thing barrel rolls, and he lands on his side uh, with the green machine on I top of him. A scratch. I thought it was on the other side. You don't even know what side it's on. It can't be that right bad. There. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. So Kai uh, scraped his shoulder a little bit, and, man, he was mad at me. And
0: <laughs> Simitana. Sima what? What Simmadana?
1: Simmadana? Yeah. Simma?
0: <laughs>
1: and Kai was mad, and I'm and I'm laughing. He goes, Dad, it's not funny. <laughs> I do not spell. I do not. S- I
0: do not. I, and I
1: said, I said, Kai.
0: I do not. You're okay. Like, so I do not sound like LSP. So.
1: Oh, uh, what's that, uh, Lumpy Space Princess? Yes. And so Kai's, like, it's not uh, is it funny? And I go, okay, Kai, are you all right? And he's like, yeah. And I said, well, then it is kind of funny. <laughs> you still don't think it's funny? You were still
0: overreacting, so. What?
1: You were overreacting, re- overreacting with your, um... then So then for the next 20 minutes, Kai tries to run me over with his green machine. We're he's so me. angry angry at me. But um, the green machine has become local legend around our neighborhood. While Kai's, oh, uh... Yes. Kai and his friends are all riding it around. Yeah, we're trying. It's nice outside this afternoon, Kai. You got to go ride it somewhere. And uh, so anyway, we went to the hardware store because a bolt on my bike is... Four bolts. Four bolts are all stuck. And I can't undo them, and they're on my arrow bars. And I got some penetrating oil. And what, Kai? And I got a Dremel because I've never had a Dremel before, so I use it as an excuse to get one, and we're going to cut um, I've stripped one bolt out pretty bad so the one that I've stripped out I'm going to Dremel it uh, which will be fun because I've never done that uh, into a slotted screwdriver, a flathead screwdriver slot and, uh, at, and after I let um, penetrating oil Sit on it all night. I also haven't done the rubber band thing, but I don't think that's going to work. On this. Yeah, it's totally not going to work. Even so, you to yeah, them. you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know. So what that's I'm where we're at. About. All right, out bang. All right, I am back. Let's try to wrap up the show. I'm listening to an audiobook. I'm leaving the pool, listening to an audiobook called The One Thing. It's really, really good. I highly recommend it. And. Let's see, let's talk about the return to center shifters. So now we're gonna get into something really cool for your bike that's a little bit more expensive. These are $375 list price. But what they are, they're bar end shifters for your triathlon bike, you know, the tip end of your triathlon bike. And they, uh, when you shift, it's a lot like on a road bike where you click through and then they snap back and these are so well made and so responsive and the action is so smooth that uh, you a little bit more pressure than a tap but you click through your gears and then they snap back right to center pointing straight ahead aerodynamically right to the front and it is wonderful absolutely wonderful so what this does well, what happened was my, um, my tri-bikes uh, front-end shifters started to wear out. The plastic on them and stuff like that started to just get older and older and all banged up and ugly and stuff. And it, uh, you could tell it was time to replace them or else something uh, catastrophic was going to happen. And I said, uh, oh, man, I want these electronic shifters. I really want these electronic shifters that they have out now. But they're just so expensive, and they're new technology. So they're uh, even though they're a few years old now, they're still uh, way too expensive. And trickling down the um, the technology that makes them work really well, and like how to integrate them into your bike and all that stuff, it's all not standardized wonderfully yet. And there's not much competition in the field yet, so they're overpriced. And you know, fifteen hundred dollars or something like that for um, shifting, and then you have to have a battery. Uh, that could um, fail on you or some wiring that fails on you and then you got to find somebody that can work on that and that's hard to come by especially at a race Um, and if you can't find uh, if your battery doesn't have a charge well you're not shifting Um, so now you're stuck with one gear and when mechanical shifting which is just levers and levers and cables are um Uh, No battery required, Uh, everybody knows how to work on these things, if something goes wrong, uh, relatively simple, Um, so just bulletproof, right? And so it's like, oh, so what's the (laughs) in-between? What if you could have mechanical shifting, but what if it could shift just lightning fast and be super precise and almost like clicking on a button? And that's what these are, and they're they're um, they're made by Zip and or SRAM. SRAM is the parent company of Zip. They bought Zip, and Zip ones are more aerodynamic shape, and SRAM ones are more of a flat lever uh, looking ones. And um, you see these on pro bikes like all the time. These things are great. And the um, the other thing is. Um, Oh, SRAM and uh, Campy, maybe Campy, I don't know, but uh, has a different uh, leverage distance than Shimano does. So the action inside the shifters um, is different, needs to be different, depending on what kind of uh, derailleurs you have on your bike. So um, the return to center, and they're, they're called R2C, return to center, R2C shifters, um, if they have a red uh, anodized aluminum, uh, circle on the uh, insides of them, those are for SRAM. And if they have silver on the inside of them, then, then those are uh, for Shimano. So you got to get the right ones. And when I got them and I put them on my bike about a year ago, I was blown away at how cool they are and then also um, all those years of the the levers right on the front of your bike pointing in crazy directions the old style ones you know up and down and left and right all over the freaking place has really bothered me and the zip ones are super aerodynamic they're like really really cool looking and um you shift a gear and you let go and they snap right back uh, pointing forward which is really really cool so their uh list you know 375 you can probably find them uh, on ebay or something like that for a lot cheaper uh, but they are a wonderful investment in your bike that uh, if you don't want to spend the, the money on electronic shifting but you want to have in a way it's better than electronic shifting because it's mechanical and it's going to work all the time and you can adjust it um, yourself um, but the action is, is, is as fast as electronic uh, the only thing that electronic has on it really is that uh, electronic shifting you can put additional buttons on different places on your bike so on your brake um, on your on your uh, bullhorns <clears throat> but what are you doing riding on your bullhorns man get arrow anyway all right let's wrap up this show I'd like to give a shout out to Amrita bars I just ate one right before I got on the mic and I spared y'all from eating on the mic because it seems to drive people so crazy. (laughs) But I wolfed one down, it's right here in front of me. Um, I still got a little bit left. I have the pineapple chia, freaking love those. And um, super smooth on the stomach, love them. Super, super healthy. And um, I find that uh, if I eat like a third of a one or half of a one before a workout, uh, about 20 minutes before a workout, and start going. I just have crazy energy, feeling great, and um, just real nice and stable. And I'm, I'm not hungry, but I'm I'm not I'm not uh, body's not chattering from freaking sugar overload or anything like that. And it's just good, really, really good. So you can try them out, and I highly recommend it. Go try them out at am- amritahealthfoods.com, and you can use discount code ZEN in all caps amritahealthfoods.com discount code ZEN in all caps and get fifteen percent off, man! Fifteen percent off. Order a bunch of them and get them delivered to your house, and then hide them from your children because they will try to take them. And then also try the chocolate maca uh, as a recovery bar, and then hide those from yourself <laughs> because you're gonna eat them all in about uh, about three minutes. Um, If you're not careful, because they're so good. All right, that's it for this episode. Next episode, we have either Tawny Prazak or John Hirsch. I haven't really decided yet. Maybe both in one show. Um, And look forward to that. Uh, John is a pro, and Tawny is a badass. And we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff. Uh, Their interviews are already recorded. I just got to put them into the show. And that's it. All right, everybody stay safe up there. Work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side Down. Out.